contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www. Welcome to another live episode of the BCSN Sports Wrap. This is Brian Fulford, AD Drew. Can you hear See, me? That's a beat in my head, man. I, there you go. Right, right. It is little, <laughs> it's, it's catchy when I got some new headphones, so now I can I can vibe to it a little bit better than I used to. So uh, I'm just glad you're not going to be cutting in and out over anymore. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Amazon is your best friend. Knock on some wood. I'm, I'm doing, you know, whatever I can do. Uh, we, we're gonna, we're gonna pray for the best, and we're gonna see uh, what today, what today brings uh, forth. All right. So uh, again, welcome to another live episode, Sunday, May 21st. That's AD Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. It's a pleasure to be on. Six years strong. We've been doing this, Drew. We're coming up on the end of year number six, man. I just thought about that. Yeah, man. I, uh once we once we get rolling and you get all the uh, business in out the way, I got I got a couple things I want to touch on before we get into our uh, first guest. All right, well let's get the business out of the way. Uh, thank you to everybody joining us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, 
Uh, however you're watching, wherever you're watching us from, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1, the number one. Uh, we are the flagship show of the Black College Sports Network. Uh, let me take that back. We are the first show of the Black College Sports Network. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I We're like Sports Center. We're all the flagship show, Brian, whether, whether we like it or not. Yes, we, 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 are now, we may not be the original host of the BCSN Sports Rap, but it has now been entrusted to you and I to carry on because the original people from ESPN Sports Center and I, I said the full letter that we're giving them their props because they're the originators of this genre, this sports talk genre. Mm-hmm. You know, they uh, the, the, those original people are gone. Are we? Uh, you know, I, I was listening and I was as I put together the BCSN Pod Zone every almost after every show. Shout out to anybody who downloads. Uh, the BCSN pod zone on your favorite podcast platform. Dr. Cavill's show is reaching 400. It's getting close to 400 with us. And I remember it just like yesterday when he was getting close to 200. So the thought in my head, Drew, is, is Doc- have we done yes, yes. Has Dr. Cavill surpassed us in number of shows? If not, he's going to be close and he ultimately pass us considering that we are a weekly platform yes. and Dr. Cavill does two shows per week and then during football season he does three shows per week and but Brian if you and I actually count our guest appearances on Doc's show oh, as, okay. and, 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 and I'm calling you out uh, Mike as long as Mike Washington is on assignment with his regular job with his <laughs> 9 to 5 we, we, we got a good chance to stay ahead if we count those as us. Quick math here. I would say we probably do about 45 shows a year. We're cro- approaching six. Yeah, Doc's passed us. They've they passed but we, us. But we've done, we've had our times where we've done two, two shows per week, special shows. Uh, we had BCSN shorts out there for a while. Yeah, uh, summer shorts. So uh probably go might even go back to that this summer, you know, when it's when the uh business side gets a little slow. So I hear you. Uh coming up on the show tonight, uh coming up real soon here, real early in our first opening segment, we're gonna kind of catch up on some things that we haven't done. And and one of those catch up items is talking to uh coach Howard University's coach, Kenneth Blakeney. Uh, the head coach of our BCSN national championship team, also our BCSN coach of the year. And it'll be, you know, we haven't talked to him, Drew, since. And I actually, I think I haven't talked to him because I think you may have missed the interview that I did with him. This was like real early. Uh, Might have been that. First took the job. Yes, it would have been that COVID, that COVID spring where, you know, you were just trying to find people to talk to and everybody was available. So, <laughs> uh, but it was cool to kind of talk to him then at the beginning of him taking over the program two, three seasons ago. That was right on the heels of, I think, right after McCore Maker and all that stuff. And to see what he has done. Right. Get a refund. We lost your volume. Uh, 
it's 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 very minute. I hear you saying no audio, but it's not like you were a minute ago. Okay. Well, here. There we go. Whatever you just did. I stopped touching wires. Do? I stopped touching okay. wires. So. Uh, uh, okay. Keep your policy yourself. You said you had some things you wanted to uh, talk about here before Coach Blakeney comes on. So I will yield the floor to the distinguished gentleman in Thomasville, Georgia. But where is the distinguished gentleman at? <laughs> I may, oh, you're talking about me, The distinguished gentleman from St. <laughs> Louis. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, first, of all, first one is uh, want to give a shout out to all the Florida Ed M. Raptors as we have the death of one of our icons at Florida A&M. I am not talking about a person, Brian, who has tragically passed away. I am talking about an iconic building on the campus of Florida A&M University. We're going to put our green, our orange and green on. I know this is not Wednesday, but I've got to put my orange and green on right now. I never had the pleasure of staying in Gibbs Hall. But I had the pleasure of knowing many of people who stayed in Gibbs Hall, including meeting you over there going visiting my uh, my homeboy, uh, your, your ex-roommate, great friend of both of ours, uh, the late Clifton Reed, who was from my hometown of St. Louis, Missouri, amongst many others that I met in Gibbs Hall, some of the capers that were pulled in Gibbs Hall, which shall not be re-aired here on the BCSN Sports Wrap because some of those things, the statutes of limitations still may not have passed for some of the things that have happened in Gibbs Hall almost 30 years later, uh, Brian. Uh, But, you know, it's just tough when you see the some of the buildings that you have such fond memories of at your institution as progress change. Yes, it's time for upgraded living facilities. They're not even called dorms anymore, Brian. They're living facilities now. Uh, but it, it was just something about, you know, it was just something about Gibbs Hall. Gibbs Hall was the largest male living facility on campus at that time so uh you know just 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 it is it, tragic but it but it's yes. progress it is, they're dem- it is they're progress. demolishing they're demolishing supposedly the school tomorrow oh, the building tomorrow um so as as you can see the images of it and it, the backside sits looking onto Bragg Memorial Stadium so it's literally across the street. So anybody who's been to Bragg for a football game, if you're in the stadium and looked across the street, the probably the first dormitory building you see is Gibbs Hall for those who and it you was, can't it was, leave the you can't leave the Bragg parking lot right. on the campus side of of the stadium without passing without passing Gibbs. It's just that simple. And uh, just I I made it a point to stay in a corner room because I heard the corner rooms were were the bomb. And somehow, I don't know whether it's by request or heavy prayer. I don't even remember how and why I got a dorm in the corner, 501. Yes, 
501 in year one, 401 in year two. So I, I went from I, luck, I guess, but I got it, the bigger. It, Edwin Moore, it is actually on the same side of the street as old uh, Gaither Gym. Well, I say old Gaither Gym. Gaither Gym is still in use, but it's on the same side of the street as Gaither Gym. It is what maybe one two buildings down from Gaither Gym, Brian. If I if I have my geography correct, I, I'll reset it for everybody to know. In between is now what used to be the parking lot is the infamous Bronze Rattler Snake, which is the Student Activity Center now. I think yes, that used to be a parking lot when we were in school, and right. then to the north, or if you're facing the Rattler to the left. That is Gibbs Hall. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And, and Tamara T, McGuinn, Truth, Gibbs, Pokenhorn, Diamond, uh, The Foot. That's Patty Foot for those of you all who are not familiar with uh, with, Rattler, with Rattler Lingo. You know, all those were uh, definitely part of growing up on that campus, Brian. And I could tell, we could all tell various stories about each one of those facilities or the people that we do who live in those facilities. And yes, we can even tell you stories about people getting caught up Ooh, <laughs> in, 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 in those facilities. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man. Good old, good times there. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, Shout out to Gibbs time. Hall and, and all of the, uh, the good brothers that, uh, that we met in Gibbs Hall, as I, as I kind of tweeted out, and Gibbs some Hall. of the sisters pass it out of Gibbs Hall. Oh, who was supposed stop. to be in there? Ah, my bad. Did I say stop. that out loud? I you did. You dirty <laughs> dog. Uh, no, I, I I tweeted something out. I said Gibbs Hall introduced me to future leaders, uh, future businessmen. Um, um, uh, I can't even. I, you know what? I I can't even remember the tweet, but it was it was a pretty good tweet. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, well, we're still waiting on Coach Blakeney. Go ahead. Uh, you you had another item you wanted to get to here, as Tamara yeah. T said. Too many stories. Yeah. Uh, actually, she said no more strolls down memory lane. Right. Uh, so <laughs> just, go ahead. You better just, be quick on this next one, Drew. I would I would be quick, but if anybody uh, in the chat, whether you went to Fabi, whether you went from somewhere else, if you stayed on campus, the place where you stayed at on campus. Is it still there? Just let us know. I'm just curious. That's a great. Just let question. us know if, if, if your if your living facility on campus is still there. All right. Structurally, yeah. structurally, structurally, I think it's and is it still a living facility? Yeah, yeah. That's some of these uh, buildings have been repurposed. Yeah. All right. And number two, Brian. Uh, and I and, and I'm trying to be politically correct and delicate with this. But I absolutely hate when I see I see a team who gives a good effort in a performance, a championship a performance, championship game, could be a regular season game. And when they lose, especially a tight game, the first thing we want to do blame is blame the officials right i cannot stand it as a former coach as a current administrator i cannot stand the fact that we blame officials for our loss 
Brian, you coach basketball, and I see Coach Blake is waiting, so I'm going to be as brief as I can with this. Brian, you, you've coached. Can you tell me the last time that your players had a perfect game? Hit every shot from the field, did not miss a free throw, made every defensive assignment correct, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. When is the last time? Forget the three interceptions that the quarterback threw early in the game. Why are we talking about the 50-50 call on fourth down with three seconds left to go on the clock? If we don't throw those three interceptions early in the game, the referees are never put in that position to have to make that 50-50 call with three seconds left on the clock. And I truly, it, it gets under my skin. It irks the hell out of me that fans, players, and coaches blame those people in stripes when there are so many other things in the game that cost you the game. Will you actually go back? Yes, we remember the last play or the last drive or the last possession. But when you go back and break down the field, Brian, you see so many more mistakes that your team made that cost you that game versus was was that player fouled? Was that a fumble? Was that a catch? Uh, uh, was was that was that strike three or ball four? I'm I'm sorry if you if you handle your business throughout the other ninety percent of the game. That last 10% does not even matter. Anyway, I'm, 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 I'm through with my rant. Well, let, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's go right to someone who, at a high level, <laughs> high level here. Uh, we're going to go right into it, talking with Coach, uh, Coach Kenny Blakeney. Howard University head coach. Uh, and this has nothing to do with Howard basketball, Coach, but it was just I was at an event this week, and, uh, you know, I walked out. Everybody was blaming the the officials for the last play and, uh, you know, it, the instance of the last play. And as, as I'm sitting up in the, in the, uh, in the suite watching the game uh, go on, actually in the press box, I saw so many other things that if they if they would have been handled correctly, that last play does not even matter. Well, Andrew, I, I get it, man. I, I've never lost a game. It's always been the rest fault. <laughs> How y'all doing, fellas? Hey, we're we doing, doing all right, coach. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, how, how do you, you know, as we as we just jump right in, you know, how how do you handle? those situations, you know, and, and and what do you tell players? Because obviously I think at an early age, how, what we do with youth sports and how we deal with officiating at youth sports kind of grows with them. So, so how, what, what do you preach to your players, your assistant coaches? How do you deal? Especially in the moment coach. No, absolutely. I, I, I was really, really bad my first couple of years. I mean, I, I, I spent too much of my time talking to the referees and debating them on calls than, uh, than I probably should have. And we were playing against North Carolina Central uh, last year 
2022 season and the game had went into overtime and we ended up winning uh, down the stretch in like the last 15 minutes of the game. And one of my players came up to me and he said, because you were calm, we won that game. So your players also can kind of take your energy that you are putting out there, maybe to the referees um, and, and run with that a little bit in a negative way. So I, I've gotten, I think, so much better. Um, and, and, and I've learned uh, to, to work with the referees in a different capacity than I did when I first started out as a head coach. That's uh, that's big time, um, especially here. I know that had to mean something coming from uh, a one of your players to be able to tell you that. Uh, so, hey, it, it's good to have you on, Coach. I know, you know, look, uh, congratulate. It's, it's a little bit late postseason, uh, but, you know, I, I told uh, Derek that, you know, at some point I got to get Coach in. It doesn't matter when because, you know, first off is Coach um, being our, our BCSN Coach of the Year, Howard being our team, our national champion, uh, being wow. MEAC champions, all the uh, postseason awards that came your way. Um, you know, Howard has established itself as one of the top programs in Division One, top programs in the MEAC. And I had that conversation with you a few years back when you were just getting going. So as I was telling Drew, I was like, I, we got to get coach on. Doesn't matter when, even if in the summer recruiting season, got to get him in to kind of just kind of recap and, and talk. Um, so, you know, first off, congratulations on, on all of the, uh, success and what you built, uh, talk a little about as it's been a month or two now since the season ends and you've graduated some young men, how do you, how, how do you process everything that went into the work to get to the top? I, I mean, Brian, to be honest, it's been such a different rhythm and trying to understand and navigate what college basketball has become today, I really haven't had a chance to process much. Um, you know, I, Easter break, uh, you know, I thought I could get away with my family. I have a six-year-old daughter who is in school and uh, my, my wife and my daughter and myself, we tried to take a trip and we got in to our vacation spot on a Monday, excuse me, on a Sunday. And Monday morning at nine o'clock, my phone started ringing and I had one young man jump into the transfer portal. I was not expecting uh, two hours later. I had another phone call with another young man to jump into the transfer portal. Um, so I learned a quick lesson. Don't plan your vacations until probably June or July. <laughs> um, it, it's just been such a different rhythm, man. This thing that is our game today. One, I don't know how to recruit. And I'm just being honest. Um, two, I really feel high school kids are missing out. And this transfer portal NIL space is really hurting them. Um, I, I don't I, I really am sitting here today going, I don't know. It's I haven't been able to process it because as soon as we lost three in the transfer portal, I immediately had to go like psychotic and just put my head down and try to figure out how do we take a team that won the championship and should actually be together for the next two years to kind of three-peat this run or, or build and keep it sustainable to, damn, are we just going to have a team that's good enough to win 10, 12 games next year? Mm -hmm. You know? And then I'm thinking in my head, like, 
how does my boss evaluate me? <laughs> you know, like I have all these thoughts like, well, people aren't going to think I'm a, it was a fluke that I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing now. But it, it, I so I just put my head down and grinded for the last probably six weeks um, where recruiting was the only thought that I had in my head to try to see if we can replenish our team to get it to a point where I felt like, you know, we could duplicate potentially what we did last year. So I haven't had a chance to process it. So when you say those things, um, I get chill bumps because they're fresh thoughts. They're fresh, you know, feelings. Uh, when, when you mentioned that, I was, I kind of shook my head a little bit. It was like, I can't believe it. Like, wow. Okay. Wow. That, that's a, uh... That's that's honest. I uh, appreciate that. I, I I definitely will say that is not the the answer that I think probably many people <laughs> or myself even thought um, might come. But uh, it's very honest and it's very real um, at hearing you say that. And and I it brings a thought in our previous conversation. You talked about I think you 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 mentioned wanting to be able to recruit and bring in area talent. Um, you know, being from the area. Uh, so many good basketball players, good basketball period in that area. And do you feel like sort of as a as a follow-up to what you just mentioned, do you feel like you can still do that or, or you have to sort of maybe temper it or, or mix it a little bit, you know, given, uh, given, you know, what you described over the last six weeks? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And that's something that we're still playing with. Um, I mean, if you was to ask me right now, we have six guys on our team, for 2023-24 that's going to be from the DMV area. Um, so I, I feel like we did do some of those things, and, and that was really important, Brian, for a number of reasons. One, I, I feel like, you know, the basketball in this area is at a really high level. At one point in time, we had more guys in the NBA than any other area in the country, and we had more guys in Division I uh, than any other area in the country. So, you know, the high school coaches are doing a great job. The grassroots programs with their AAU programs are doing a great job. Our trainers are doing a great job. And I, I thought that that was really important for me because I could, I know their DNA, right? I know if a kid is coming from Gonzaga uh, with coach Steve Turner, how he's been coached, um, the, the, what he believes in his philosophy and uh, the basketball IQ that he's been given through the years of playing at a program like a Gonzaga. Um, so it was really important to do that. But I, I just think now that, you know, when I say it's a mixture, you know, when we recruit high school kids, we recruited, you know, three of the kids that transferred from us that eventually were in the portal. They were all high school kids. So they had the one time transfer exception where they could leave and go somewhere right away and play right away. Um, as I'm thinking about this thing a little further, certainly high school players will still be on my radar, but. For the most part, I'm going to take a look at transfers as much as I can within the structure of our university where, you know, credits and academically it fits and it works. Um, but, you know, if a kid transfers a second time, now they have to sit out a year. So they're more apt to maybe wanting to stay and kind of, you know, go through uh, the matriculation of being a student athlete at Howard uh, instead of leaving. So honestly, that's what I'm thinking right now. I, I, I haven't figured out a formula. I don't know what if it is a formula. Um, but right now, that's the way I'm looking at it. I'd rather take a, a kid from a, a college that 
you know, he uses uh, that one-time transfer exception to come to us than, you know, recruiting a high school kid and losing him once he's developed, he has a resume and, uh, you know, finds himself being a, an attractive commodity to other universities. Go ahead, Drew. No, that, that that that's really that's a really interesting approach. I think that's the first time I've actually heard somebody verbalize that approach. So I I have to ask this question, especially uh, considering that uh, Reese most, most recently was in the high school ranks before I uh, got back into uh, college uh, administration. But coach, where does that lead the high school kid now if? If a coach such, such as yourself is looking for those players who have who are using their one time their one time exception to come to a Howard University, where does that leave my seventeen year old son or nephew to get that first opportunity to see if they even like a Howard or or whatever institution? Where does that leave them at now in this uh, in this day and age? Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. To, I, I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago, and at some point in time, I think there were – my numbers could be wrong, and I'm pretty sure they are. I don't know, 1,400 people in the transfer pool at some point in time. Um, with all the people that had gone and found new schools, there was still like 800 people still in the transfer pool. So when you, you look at that, and now you compile that number with high school students um, – it really jams up high school students, to be honest, Drew. Um, I, I feel so bad that we are in a position now where high school students that have probably worked their tails off from the time that they've been, you know, eight, nine years old to get to a point to earn a Division One scholarship um, that are, you know, missing out on that because of where college basketball is now. They've done everything right. They've earned it. They deserve that opportunity. But but because the way the game is right now, um, you know, I, I lost two kids that were, uh, one kid was runner up or, or, you know, not runner up, well, runner up for MVP of our league. Mm -hmm. And another kid was, you know, second team all league. So for me to try to fill their positions, a high school kid that doesn't have the experience, that doesn't have, um, you know, hasn't been on a college campus, hasn't lived that life and understands the rhythm of being a student athlete at a college, I have to go out and get somebody that's well prepared to be able to do that immediately, but also have a college resume. Um, so it, it really is something that's, I think, challenging and difficult. But I think what happens is, you know, Division two schools get better. Division three schools get better. Um, now you have, yeah, JUCOs get better. Um, now you have, you know, prep schools, there are more opportunities for kids to maybe take those paths. And I see a lot of Division II kids right now, Drew, that are leaving Division II schools that now have a resume putting their name in the portal. And they're ending up at places probably a lot better than they would have if they would have gone straight to college. Mm -hmm. So basically that freshman who back, back when you played at Duke would have had to sit on the bench probably red shirt and then probably sit on the bench a year actually gets to step down a level division two NAIA D3 JUCO prep school whatever get, get more reps and then uh if they prove themselves get an opportunity 
at the Division One level. I think that's what you said in summary. Am I am I reading that correct? No, that's exactly correct. That is the other path that we're seeing young men take right now. Is they're they're not getting recruited in Division One, but they want to start their academic careers at a four-year institution, and they're going to Division Twos or Division Threes, NAI schools. Um, you know, some have taken the JUCO route, and uh, some of these young men have played their way up from the level that they probably would have went fit got recruited if they would have gone straight from high school to college to a Division One college. Okay. Uh, why, why we don't on recruit? Let's let's talk let's talk academics for a minute, coach. Uh, you you played at a one one of the top academic institutions in, in the nation at Duke in the early 90s. Howard is the Mecca, but Howard has not been known as an athletic school as much as it has been known as an academic school, uh, great law school, medical school, et cetera, et cetera. We all, we all know the Howard mystique. Uh, but, but they've always said that if Howard was in the Ivy League, Howard would be would be a uh, one of the Ivy League. But I tell everybody, it's the it's it's the Black Ivy League school. But uh, and you you've recently added a couple former Ivy League players to your roster under some unique circumstances. You know, they wound up with extra years of eligibility due to red shirts and injuries and COVID, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, my question is twofold. Just kind of one, kind of go over recruiting for Howard with its just academic standards themselves, whether it helps you, whether it hurts you. And then I want you to talk about, uh, you know, talk, talk about those players that you've recruited, those Ivy League players that you have recruited to join your roster in the 23-24 season. Yeah, no, the great questions. Um, twofold. One is if we're recruiting a high school kid, our administration would like us to bring young men in that to start are around a 3-0 and when the SAT was relevant, and it still is in some cases, 1,000 or a 20 on the ACT. Um, so that starts the conversation, you know, and uh, us being one of the top 85 schools in the country, um, the academics is real and there's no there's no there's no easy way around it or through it that uh that part is really real and you know when we talk about the transfer portal um what's what's challenging for us drew is that we can only bring in young men that are either finished their freshman year finished their sophomore year or grad transfers um because that you know guys finishing up their junior year or going into their senior year um, in, in, the, in that situation, they will lose so many credits in transferring from their school to Howard. Um, I, I'll give you an example of, you know, there was a young man that we were taking a look at, had 110 credits, but needed a couple more for graduation. Um, classes wouldn't offer during the summer, so he couldn't take them to graduate during the summer. If he would have transferred to Howard, his 110 credits might have been around 36 credits. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like my Tuskegee days. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it becomes challenging in that in that sense. So, you know, one of the ways we've looked at it is grad transfers have been really uh, another route to take. 
and my background spending five years in the Ivy League at Harvard in, in Columbia. Um, we have another coach on our staff that's uh, been an Ivy League guy for several years as well. And um, we have relationships and ties with all the coaches in the Ivy League. And, you know, when they when we think about what our young men, you know, there, there's something called a, a Howard man. And, and I didn't never knew what that was. And, you know, I, I went to a bunch of events up on Wall Street, met tons of our alums, and that definition just kind of defined itself of what a Howard man is. And I think when you pair an Ivy League degree up with a Howard graduate degree, you know, you can walk in any room and uh, feel really, you know, secure that, you know, with those two degrees, uh, your value will not ever be diminished. You've been at, you know, one of the premier HBCUs and one of the premier, you know, schools in the country with that Ivy League degree. Um, it, it really, I think, sets you apart in a way that uh, people will, 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 will stand up and be very, uh, very, you know, into what you are about as a, attractive or a person who is moving towards, you know, whatever that occupation is that you may be going for. So it's been great for our university. Our, our president, Dr. Wayne Frederick, you know, I, he loves the idea that we have guys from, you know, Columbia, Penn, Cornell, you know, Harvard. Like it, it just, it, it shows a seriousness about not only our university, but also our basketball program. And for us, Drew, for doing that, um, it's it's helped our culture in a way that I think it's sped it up. You know, it's made our guys more serious. It's made our guys more alert, made our guys pay attention more. Um, it's been an incredible uh, – I, I did not – I didn't know what to expect, but – you know, as long as we can continue to bring Ivy League grant transfers in, we, we'll do it because it's been unbelievable for our program. When it also helps the culture, Coach, and you've done a fine job of that over your uh, short tenure there at Howard also. So uh, go ahead, Brian. Hey, speak, speaking, of, speaking of winning, Coach, what is scheduling like now? So you're scheduling games. Um what and, and maybe if you would, what is your scheduling philosophy? If you had a philosophy before, what is it like now that you are a conference champion? You're one of those mid majors that they say teams kind of run away from. That's very confident to say. Thank you. Um, I, I think what my scheduling philosophy is that I don't ever want to sell our brand short. Um, so when teams call us and they say, hey, do you want to come play a guarantee game? I, I flip the conversation real quick and be like, why don't you come play as a Howard? You know, and we don't need your check. We like your check, but we don't need it. Nice. Um, because you can get more value. You know, if we're, if we're being real about this thing and you're saying education is important, you know, a lot of these young men that are at Power 5 schools probably never stepped foot at an HBCU campus before. They don't know about the history. They don't know about the culture. They don't know about, you know, 
the band. They don't know about the four or five cheerleading groups that we have in dance teams. They don't understand that, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants at a Howard University, a Thurgood Marshall, Andrew Young, Kamala Harris, you know, Marianne Shad Carey. We can go down the list of people that have attended Howard that, you know, these young men, black men, especially at these power five schools should be aware of. Why not bring your kid and expose them to all that uh, at a HBCU and at a Howard? Why not take them to the White House where you probably have someone working there? Why not take them to Capitol Hill and expose them to things that are going on on Capitol Hill? We have the African-American Museum here in Washington, D.C. Take your kid to a, you know, a place like ours and bring them here and play a game, but also be an educator, you know? Give that student athlete the student experience that, you know, their mom and dad probably would be so happy and excited that you're doing that. Um, so that's one of the things we talk about with, with scheduling. The other thing is we want to schedule like-minded brands. So we see ourselves as one of the best academic schools in the country. We want to align ourselves with other academic schools in the country that have some of the same academic requirements that we have. Um, so when we think about, you know, trying to pair games, we want to try to get games against a Vandy, get games against a Northwestern, play the Ivy Leagues with the Harvard, Yale, Pens. Um, you know, have Duke on the schedule anytime soon? What's that? Duke on the schedule anytime soon? Play your alma mater? <laughs> we, we, we've had conversations, uh, but I don't know if, if that will ever happen. It would be a great experience, I think, for both schools. Maybe we can get John Shire to come up to the Mecca the bird gymnasium and play us, but um, it'd be great. But, uh, you know, maybe that's something that happens down, down the road, but we have talked, had conversations uh, previously, but that's sort of the, the scheduling philosophy. Um, since our guys hit the portal, we've gotten a lot more phone calls than we had before, Brian, to be honest. <laughs> People have been paying attention to the portal with their scheduling needs. So, um, it you know, but it has been challenging. I, I think last year I did a terrible job of scheduling, and part of it was that we couldn't get games. Mm. And the way that our schedule had to go, we we probably played I think anywhere between twelve to four. I think it was twelve games in about a twenty five twenty six game day period, which was not fair to our program, to our kids, uh, and to the university. To be honest with you, but we had to get the games in to fit, uh, however we could, but. The scheduling part has been challenging. That's that's interesting. Yeah, I was looking at your schedule. Yeah, you, there's a lot of a lot of games in there, but but fortunately, I think you guys, if I'm just shooting off the hip, probably came out about 500 or right about 500 in those games. And what I liked is that you didn't have to go. And, and it's funny you said what you said because you didn't have to go play a bunch of power fives. I mean, I, obviously you had the one game against Kentucky, but after that, you played solid Division One programs but there there were no power fives you know you, you didn't have to go chase a check like so many of our hbcus have to do yeah we, we've tried to figure out other ways around uh that where we had to take a take, chase a check and you know our, our, our ad mr Kerry davis has done a phenomenal job being a partner and uh helping me grow and build a program not only on the court but also the infrastructure of the program where you know, all of our games in, from January on when our students got back to second semester sold out. So we were actually probably, you know, 
not that probably we're profitable on that end where we, you know, with our sellout games and, and with our tickets. So, um, it, it, you know, just different ways having, you know, TV games on campus has allowed us to be a little bit unique and different with the way that we, you know, don't have to maybe go play our five game. Um, so trying to be a little bit more innovative, our Martin Luther King day game is always a, a great event and great day. And having, you know, Fox come in, uh, has allowed us now to, you know, not only be able to, I think, look at it differently in terms of a power five game that you got to go play because now you have Fox coming in and the deals that has to be done there, but also, you know, to sell out crowd. So you're talking about now TV game uh, revenue, but also, you know, fan revenues is coming in. Um, so we've been able to kind of look at it a little differently and approach it a little differently where, uh, you know, maybe going to play those power five games and, and doing all those things for the check may not be the best solution to, for us, um, to, to raise revenues. Maybe there's some different ideas and thoughts around it. Wow. Uh, that you, you said so much right there that I just got to applaud, especially to, to not only your, your administration, but the Howard community that, that supported by selling, by buying season tickets, packing the gym and doing so much, man, that, that is, uh, that is a model that I wish we could, we, we could carry and get more. And I know every school has its challenges, but that is, uh, that's awesome. Uh, Drew, you want to close it up? Any last questions for coach? Cause I know I, yeah. we don't want to keep him here all, all night. Yeah, uh, got a question uh, for you, uh, Coach. Back uh, during the MLK game that you just mentioned, you guys played Warhouse. And one of the things that was highlighted during that game was the fact that your team had chosen uh, Black maternal health as its team calls for the year. Uh, first, if you could tell us how – you guys came up with how the, I'm pretty sure the student athletes probably came up with that and approached you on that, but how they came up with that as their team calls. And has there been any, any updates to that since that game? Because, you know, we heard about it going into the game, but obviously what, once the story hits, then it, it kind of goes into the, uh, into the closet, but we still know that there are things going on around that. So if you could uh, give us an update on it also. Yeah, Drew, that's a, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, every year I've challenged our team to come up with a social justice initiative. And the reason why is because our university was built on social activism, right? And I want our team to understand what our university's mission is about, what our university's history is about, what our tradition is about, what, what are the things that have impacted us as a university and take that to our team to really, I think, you know, grow our team in a way for their student experience that is just truly different and unique from being a student athlete, right? I talk about having a student experience more so than, than, than student athletes um, because that student experience is, if you do it the right way, your athletes will always come back and be a part of the university. And so it was really important for us. And uh, at our first meeting, we brought it up. We threw it out there to our guys and they came back several days later and said they wanted to to do their social justice initiative on black maternal health. And it scared the heck out of me 
Um, <laughs> a lot of it was surrounding the midterm elections that were going on. Uh, and then Roe v. Wade was such a prominent feature uh, in terms of the, the narratives that was going on around the, the midterm election. And our guys were able to kind of bring this to the table and articulate it in a way uh, that, that it, it scared me. Because as a, you know, as a black male, um, I haven't been exposed to uh, black maternal health in terms of the numbers and the challenges that our black women have given childbirth. With this being around the midterm elections and everything was so divisive, things that were going on in, in Georgia with the Georgia elections, things that you know were, were being said with the presidential election, the Roe v. Wade, and us being an HBCU, I wanted us to bear down and really get educated on this because I knew that when we came out and said that we were going to support and lend a voice and amplify the message on Black maternal health, that uh, during this time of divisiveness and everything that's going on, we probably were going to get challenged on a few things. So we took our team down to the uh, Congressional Black Caucus and uh, met with, you know, Representative Underwood um, and others and sat in classes there and lectures and watched films. Uh, we had uh, one of the most, you know, best thought leaders in the country on this subject come in and, and you know, give our, our team some guidance and some advice on what what this was about. Um, we really locked in. We had our managers developing packages and different things for us to get educated about. We did more work with our campus uh, community on this. And by the time we came out and started to uh, really speak on this subject, we all were very comfortable in this space about black maternal health and felt that, you know, we could really, I think, support, uh, you know, our, our black females, especially having a campus that is 70% female. And with our managerial staff, we have uh, 67 managers, which is, uh, um, you know, that's a lot of managers. 80% of those managers are female. Um, so we really took that to heart when talking about black maternal health with our campus with internally with our program and our managers but also our, our community here in washington dc you know our numbers in dc are staggering with the the black maternal health with women uh having challenges or um you know death through giving childbirth um our numbers nationally aren't as high as dc but they're high so um that was how we kind of started and got to the point and doing the things we've done, we've, uh, you know, we've been with the vice president uh, several times and talking about reproductive, reproductive freedom uh, and reproductive, you know, issues, um, which has been great. We've been featured in time magazine. We've been on CNN. Um, we did something with secretary of health and uh, with uh, representative secretary Becerra. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so this is something that is really important to our program. It's something that has, I think, um, really helped us in a way that if we don't support and amplify this message of black maternal health, I, I don't think we won the championship this year. It was that big to our program because it made our guys grow in a way that was 
they had to take on something that was bigger than what they themselves and what they do every day. Um, and, and I really feel like it got, it brought a seriousness to our team that wasn't there at the beginning of the season. So I, I thought that our social justice initiative was just as important or more important than anything we did all year to help us, I think, connect, but also help us win the championship. Very wow. interesting. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. Coach, I'm going to give you the last word. Any any final thoughts or shout outs? Anything you want to let people know about uh, as we wrap up? Right. And, and this was really cool, man. I, I enjoyed being on here and I hope I don't have to wait a couple more years to get back on here. <laughs> um, but I, I, I love what you guys are doing. This was a fun, uh, fun chat, man. And, and, and best of luck to you guys. Keep rocking it, man. This is awesome. I, look, I was just going to ask you: Do you have a? Do you do a coaches show during the year? Uh, because if not, I, I'm going to tell you what. I, you know, I don't know how much talking you want to do during the season, obviously. But, but man, I mean, hearing you talk about just whatever, uh, whether it be basketball, non-basketball, you know, life. I, I, I think Howard alums. I think just basketball fans will eat it up because. Uh, this this was fun. I'm at the I'm at the talk to uh, Mr. Bryant and talk to Derek and say, hey, Derek, you need to do a coach's show with Coach Blakeney during the season. I know he was like, hey, Brian, I got enough work to do. But no, I mean, <laughs> I, I know Mr. Bryant is out there watching, man. So let's let's get that thing in motion, Derek. Let's get it in motion. Let's get that coach's show up and running. And, and we will run it every week on the Black Color Sports Network. So I'm gonna just put that out there. So when you guys do it, we'll run it. Just that, that would be know. awesome, man. We would love that. We hey, absolutely. Uh, love that. Thank you for your time tonight, Coach. Um, uh, best of luck uh, during the during the off season here. You know, stay healthy and hope you get some time to relax, uh, rewind, enjoy some time with your family. I hope you get that vacation time yes, back. Yes. yes, we hope you get yeah, some vacation yeah. time. That's the big don't, wish. Don't schedule it during the lock, during the open period of the portal next time. We learned our lesson. We did learn our lesson, and I'm giving my receipt to those guys that entered the portal that uh, affected my vacation. So, <laughs> Well said. All right, Coach. Hey, uh, thank you. Uh, be well, and we, we will talk to you sooner than later, Coach. All right. Take care. Take thank care. you guys so much. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Hey, hey that, that was awesome, man. That How fun was that? That was great. Um, yeah. Love Coach Blakeney. Um, hey, let's take a break, Drew, because um, – I know we went heavy basketball. And I know anyone's like, hey, that's us. We are basketball junkies. So any chance we get to kind of go go talking basketball, we, we can break down and talk about the interview. And then we got a lot of swag baseball to talk about. Uh, I did get a text that uh, Coach uh, Johnny Hernandez, Bethune-Cookman baseball coach, will join us. He's going to take a, a, a little bit of time away. I know he's enjoying time with his family before the SWAC baseball tournament, but we're going to get a chance to talk to him about his team and just the overall tournament field at about seven, some inside information. 745. Yeah, we might, we might get a scoop. We might get to find out who's nah, look, I'm not going to say <laughs> we, might, we might, we might get a, I don't know. Look, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Let's go to break drew and uh, come back with some more talk. You're watching the BCSN sport trap. We'll be back in just a moment. I have in me the ability to make you a better you. So if you work hard, focus, stay on point, you can do anything. Trust me. We made this track. Let's tell everybody they can follow their dreams. 
The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Remember the revival? Relive the remix. Reunite for the Orange Blossom Classic. HBCU reunion experience. It's year three, baby, and we back with that fire. Calling all HBCU fans. Labor Day weekend. The I Love. Jackson State University takes on the Venomous. Florida A&M University. Tickets are on sale now. Watch the game in premium style seating or watch it from a luxury suite. And of course, you know the halftime show. It's going to be epic right here in the 305. The sonic boom of the South and the illustrious Marching 100. Who you rocking with? The 2023 Orange Blossom Classic. Don't miss the HBCU reunion experience. Labor Day weekend, Miami Gardens, Florida, Hard Rock Stadium. Trust me, we'll see you there. Oh, oh, oh. Check out OrangeBlossomClassic.com for tickets and info. Uh, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. And uh, again, I got to give a, uh, a special thanks to uh, Derek Bryant, Mr. Derek Bryant, uh, Howard, SID. HBCU who, Pro Sports Media Association. Yeah, a member of the HBCU Pro Sports Media Association as well. Uh, got to give him a big shout out for helping make that possible. You know, we went back and forth, just trying to find time, you know, and I mean, we were busy, coach was busy, and man, that, he hit it out the park, man. Um, that was great, awesome. Great, great interview. Great. Yeah. Interview. Uh, a couple things that came across, I love this comment by Edwin Moore during the interview. Um, this interview demonstrates the importance of hiring coaches that fit your university's culture. Uh, everyone isn't built to be successful in every environment. That bingo. Bingo. I mean, I, well said. I, it it couldn't it couldn't be better stated when you when you have somebody uh, like uh, Coach Blakeney who understands first off the challenges that his guys are going through because he knows he went to do tough academics and here he is trying to bring in a culture of basketball that says, hey, we're still going to be successful while we're uh, striving to be great on the court, we're going to be successful in the classroom. And then the whole social justice element, Drew, man, that is some powerful stuff. And I, uh, there's so much honesty there that I, I, you know, you don't get that kind of honesty all the time from coaches. And, uh, man, just hit it out of the park. Yeah. And, and, and I'll say this. Uh, I don't think – I don't know if people understand – 
why when we're able to have our schedules best that to get coaches on our show why they tend to enjoy coming on our show because we have fun we ask the tough questions that everyone wants to know but we ask them in a respectable way and we don't we don't ask the gotcha questions you know the the why, why is your school doing this? And why is this happening in your program and stuff like that? You know, we ask, we ask the appropriate questions, but we still let the coach maintain the narrative or the interviewee maintain the narrative and let them, you know, let everything uh, stay, stay respectful. Yeah. Um, Howard's got a good one. I'm, I mean, man, that, uh, I, I love his. I love the honesty. I just I'm totally blown away by the honesty. I really and not, not that I not that you don't expect coaches to be honest, but uh, maybe I, I guess you didn't expect that particular answer. You know when he talks about the tra- the, the the transfer portal and the high school recruiting answer was not the the answer that I was expecting. And, and as a matter of fact, the question that I asked him came up off the top of my head doing his answer. That was not where I was planning on going because, you know, you always have your free show notes and, hey, I want to find out about this and that and everything. But his answer was sort of, I had to ask that follow-up on that, the high school piece of it. Where the hell does this leave our high school kids? And that is the challenge of this NIL slash transfer portal error, yes. And I, we wanted to test today. We have seen better basketball on the Division two level. Yes, we have. On, on, on the NAIA level. Yes. Haven't seen a whole lot of JUCO basketball, but I'm pretty sure those kids who would have been going to Division two schools are now in the JUCO ranks. And, so, and I, some of those kids who were going to who may have been in JUCO ranks or having to take that extra year and go to a prep school. Mm-hmm. And what does that do? That potentially gives those kids that year away from home that is so crucial that he talked about. Because let, let me tell you something, high school athletes and parents of high school athletes. Nobody is getting you up in the morning to be at that six o'clock workout. Why? But, your, but yourself. You, be, you better have one of these. You better have an alarm clock. Something like nobody is going, your roommate <laughs> is not going to, hey, hey, get up, get up, go ahead, uh, get something to eat, brush your teeth and go in there. They're not going to be the one that says, you need to go, hey, go say, don't forget you got study hall today. Don't forget, don't forget, don't be late for weights. They're not going to instill that culture in you. You have to have it. Yes. So mom, dad, whatever, especially that senior year, you need to start that if you want your child to play at that next level. Let them get up on their own. Let them figure out how they go, how they go get to school. If it's they got to walk out there, go catch their yellow bus, or they got a car or, or whatever. Let them figure out how to put gas in that car to get around to do what they want to do. Why? Because when you're not there, 
You're not calling me every every other day, ask me for ten dollars so I can put some gas in my car. Mm-hmm. You're not calling me every other day, ask me some food. Why your butt didn't go down to the cab? I already paid for that meal plan. Yeah, I remember that it. conversation. You got you got nineteen of them. You better use them. <laughs> use them nineteen. That that that's five days a week, three meals plus two on two on Saturday, two on Sunday. You better use as many of them as, as humanly possible. But I don't like what they serving down there. That was my that was my <laughs> that was my when I was young and dumb. That was my response. Man, you better find some hot sauce, put some salt and pepper. Bring your own spices. I learned. Keep, I learned. Them. When you unnecessarily be hungry at school, when you when you unnecessarily hungry at nine o'clock because you didn't want to go to the calf at six. At, at, at six. Yeah, that's your fault. That's your yeah. fault. And, and when you show up knowing that the calf closes at six, and you show up at five fifty, and they out of the entree once again, <laughs> that's that's your fault. You know, on fried chicken Wednesday, you better ah, be there. Ah, <laughs> you better ah. be there early. <laughs> anyway, oh, what, what, what more comment, Brian? Yeah, go ahead. Edward Moore, back to our uh, referee umpire officials name. Mm-hmm. Hey, th- this sums it up. Coach Cato changed my perception of bad calls. Refs have full-time jobs that they are good at. They could, they come and ref in their downtime. <laughs> Keep their part-time hands out of it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they... they Officials are not full-time officials. All officials, most officials, have, have a other jobs. So, yeah. yeah. If 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 you don't have want to have a part-time official making a job that's affecting a full-time coach, head to your business early. Uh, yeah, and, and here's the thing: I think you also remember is that uh, <clears throat> these uh, they're trying to make the best possible call. You know, and you miss some. I what I what I think every official ought to be honest with at times. And you may do this, Drew. I think you've told me you do. Is if you miss a call, just be sorry, coach. Even if you didn't miss it, but you just want the coach to be quiet, coach. I'm sorry, I missed that one. I I'll work on it. I get it next time. I can't argue with a guy or a woman who has said that to me. What can I say? I'd be like, all right, I understand. Thank you. Here was my thing, Brian. If it was one of my partner's calls and, and you in my ear about my partner's call. You you saw that, didn't you? Actually, no, I didn't because that was not in my area. But during the next break, Mr. Coach or Ms. Madam Coach, I will go over there and talk to them and ask them what they saw and why they called it that way. That's number one. But when I know I'm 100% Right in a call, I would tell the coach in a, in a heartbeat. I was like, Coach, please send me the film on on that. Send it to me. If I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to apologize to you the next time. The next time I see you, Brian, you know how many times a coach actually sent me film? <laughs> like never. I, I I less than five in in my in my umpteen years of officiating. And based on that film, you know how many times I was actually wrong on that 50-50 call? My point exactly. Yeah, never? Yeah. I, I, I won't say I was perfect. I, 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 I wasn't 100%. But I was about 99.5% on 
on on those bang bang calls. So, right. yeah, that's that's just just one of those things, man. So, uh, and, and and last thing on officiating. Yeah, please. Before before we throw it at the we'll move on. Officiating is my head's about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Although officials know the stakes of the teams that's playing, yes, they know who the best player are on each team. They know which team's in first place, which team is the, the bottom dweller, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is no predetermined outcome of that game. Yeah, we know we need we know we want this team to win. There is no predetermined outcome. The game dictates itself. But Brian, there is a real thing called home cooking. What is home cooking? That 50-50 call, and you and you 100 uh, percent unsure of which way to get it. They tell you you should give it to you should give it to the home team or your contract team. That that that's a reality. You know what that 50-50 call is, though, Brian? What's that? That's that ball that's on the line, and you're not 100 percent sure who who it bounced off of, and you really can't can't clearly see. And your partners are not in a position to help help you out with it. Get, give it to the home team. Mm. That 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 charge block call, and that's the and that's the biggest one. A 50-50 charge block call. Did he beat him to the spot? Give it to the home team, unless it's getting ready to file out. Unless it's getting ready to put their their, their good player in foul trouble, then you might go the other way. That's a real thing that good officials know. All right. Um, let's sort of transition to just sort of putting a, a bow on the end of the softball season. The uh, NCAA Women's College World Series, which is essentially the 64-team uh, softball bracket, is concluding. Uh, again, they go from 64 teams they play these four-team regionals at, at, uh, at eight different sites. The winner of those eight sites – no, excuse me. The winner of those 16 – at 16 sites, the winner of those 16 sites are paired off to best of threes next week. Super regionals. Super regionals, right, which then you take the best eight teams and they play in the, the, the College World Series, technically is how you call them. Women's so, World Series, yes. yeah, women's college world series. So obviously you had um, North Carolina central taking uh, playing in the Athens region. They played uh, Georgia lost 12 to nothing to the 14 seed Georgia, who was host. Uh, then they were shut out eight to nothing in game uh, in the elimination bracket to Boston university. So uh, North Carolina central season comes to an end. Um, all the same, you know, it was, I think they finished 19 and 35, but they won their school's first ever uh, MEAC softball tournament championship. So props to, uh, props to them. Then in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in the Baton Rouge, Louisiana, you had Prairie View taking on number 10 LSU, who was the host school. LSU won 12 to 2. In that game over Prairie View, and so Prairie View had to come back the next night or next day 
and take on Omaha University or the University of Omaha. I'm not really sure which one it is. Uh, they actually was a much more competitive game. They just couldn't get any runs. Uh, they lost three to nothing to uh, Omaha. So the season comes to an end for both those schools. And and so I think with that said, Drew, we can sort of uh, close the books on the Division One softball final standings. Can we do that? You want to do that? Go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's do All right. Softball. These are the NCAA Division I final rankings in softball. And we're going to start with from 10 all the way up. Uh, during the year, of course, we only focus on the top five. But here at the final poll, we'll, we'll give you the whole field. At number 10, Florida A&M. Number nine was Howard University. Number eight was Alabama a&M. Number seven was Bethune-Cookman. And just ahead of them at number six was Tennessee State. The top five to end the 2023 softball season, we go to number five, Grambling State. Finishes the year 33-22-1, and 18-11 in conference play. They will forever be memorialized or remembered for their viral clip. Balls in the dirt, balls in the dirt, balls in the dirt, ball. So, I mean, you know, I, I just sang it. So now it'll be, I, it'll be in your head for the next day or two. And you'll be just thinking balls in the dirt, balls in the dirt. All right. So just, you're welcome. Number four, the MEAC champs, North Carolina Central finished their season uh, 16 and eight in conference play. Congratulations to the Eagles for a great season, winning the conference tournament. Number three, the Alabama State Hornets finished the season 30 and 21, 18 and 9 in SWAC play. Number two, the Morgan State Bears finished the season 24 and 21, 14 and 6. I think Morgan was like the one seed going into the tournament and just, I mean, it happens, right? Two, two and barbecue. Two and barbecue. Yeah, it happens. So, uh, but they finished number two. And if number one, of course, the Prairie View A&M Panthers finished the regular season 30 and 20, 26 and 6 in the SWAC. And, uh, of course, Prairie View uh, repeated as SWAC champions. And after a great season this year, Prairie View, they are 2023 Division I National Champion. So congratulations to Prairie View, a team that uh, many – Many think we'll we'll have a chance to to come back next year, but uh, Drew, who knows? You know, like I said, I don't wish this on anybody, but just as you heard from Coach Blakeney, your team could change in a heartbeat. You know, you could have a championship team today, and tomorrow you're getting phone calls. They all in the portal. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully, uh, hopefully enjoy care. it while you can. Yes, yes. I hope you're taking care of those kids. Uh, but you never know. Kids will do the darndest things. Students, athletes will do the Is it the kids things. or is it the people in the kids' ears? Yeah, that's, you know what? That's a tough one. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows these days, you know? Who knows? Uh, if you're out there watching, go ahead and hit the thumbs up button. Uh, we'd appreciate it wherever you're watching us on Facebook, on YouTube. It helps the algorithm, please. You know, just and, – and, and you know what? Maybe share the link as well. That, that'd be nice. That'd be a nice thing that you could do, Chris. All right. We've got the end of the SWAT 
baseball season this past weekend, Drew, and we've got uh, seedings and all that stuff. Um, just want to sort of put it into the the season with just some you know final results that took place on Saturday. I don't think anybody played today. So all of these results are from Saturday. Uh, Alabama State defeated Florida A&M in the rubber match, 9-7. to seven. Uh, FAMU had took game one by 5-4, to four, I think it was, in extra innings. Um, then we had uh, – there was a baseball – a football game that broke out. Wait a minute. We're, I lost my uh, – that was another day. Uh, that was the previous day. Anyway, I, what I was going to say is I had peeped a, a score of 14 to 10 by Texas Southern over Alcorn, but that was on Friday, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was actually after losing to Alcorn five to four, but in uh, game three of that series, they won 11 to nine. So Texas Southern took two out of three against Alcorn State. Uh, Jackson State got a win to end uh, nine to four over Bethune-Cookman at, at uh, Bethune-Cookman. But uh, BC had won the two previous games, five to nothing and five to three. So uh, Jackson State held off being swept uh, to end that series. Uh, Prairie View gets a six to one win over Grambling State. That's interesting. A six to one win. Uh, however, uh, Grambling did beat Prairie View in the two previous games, uh, six to three and six to two. Uh, Southern finishes up with a 12-1 win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, Southern had beaten Pine Bluff 12-2 previously and 7-6, so they took the sweep over them. And then you had – I don't have a game three for Mississippi Valley and Alabama A&M. I think they split the first two. Yeah, they split the first two. And so it ended up um but, ended up as such. Yeah. Go Brian. ahead. I understand. Yeah. I know what you're gonna tell me. Valley A and I got my Yes, I know, not in the tournament. That does not affect anything or anybody. <laughs> yes. I'm well aware of that, Drew. Thank you. Even themselves. Uh, Exactly. So the SWAC baseball tournament begins Wednesday at Rush Chandler Stadium. That's on the campus of Georgia Tech in Atlanta, Georgia. Look at this beautiful ballpark. That is the view from uh, behind home plate. So, I mean, you have beautiful sight lines in midtown Atlanta uh, to watch baseball. So, you have four games. Should be a pretty nice, uh, nice weekend. Here's the field. Here's the here's how it's broken down in terms of bracket A and B. And as you can see from bracket A, what you get is the uh, number one seed in the East. That's Alabama State taking on the four seed from the West, Prairie View A&M. Then you get the two seed from the West, Texas Southern taking on the three-seed Florida A&M. 
Uh, first game is 9 a.m. That's the Texas Southern FAMU game on Wednesday. That's the first game. And as you can see, it kind of goes, you know, winner, you know, you get the winners. Uh, and, and then you get the two winners matched up on Thursday, the two losers matched up on Thursday. So somebody, somebody got, goes home. Yeah, somebody's going home in bracket A and B after the second night. So, you know. Two in two in barbecue. If somebody somebody's gonna make a short trip up to Atlanta, two teams will. Um, and then I think the interesting night is Friday because you've got six teams that will play on Friday, and potentially two. Anywhere from two to four could go home on Friday. That's the interesting night, in my opinion. Uh, So that's looking at – and the way it's set up, Drew, which is kind of interesting, bracket A is set up in its own double elimination format, right? Yeah, and bracket B. Yeah, and then – yeah, I was going to get to bracket B. And bracket B is also similar, which you can see bracket B, uh, where you have the number one seed, Grambling State from the west, taking on the four seed from the east, Jackson State. Uh, the two is Bethune Cookman, and, and really the SWAC doesn't necessarily. Even though this is how we're categorizing it as East two three, but but in theory they they've seeded them one two three four. But that's how they came up with this one two three four, which is based on your your East and West, uh, your your East and West standings, right? Which you have over there in the bottom right corner. Okay, so in the bottom right corner is your is your schedule uh, for the B bracket, mm-hmm. and that's where you've got you know uh, the two games that'll be played opposite or in between the two games from the A bracket. So it's just like the A bracket, two games played on Wednesday. Uh, then you have a winner winners game and a losers game, and then just like on the other side, you get you know, potentially maybe two to four teams that could be going home. Uh, Somebody's going to have to play two, though. You know, that's the thing. Coming out of the elimination bracket, you're going to have to play two on Friday versus if you win your first and second game, you only only have to play one game on Friday. Which goes back to that when I say we need to extend the tournament out a day. Well... Okay, so here's the thing about, you know, last year they had to deal with weather. And I don't think they played any games on day one schedule, which was Wednesday. I think the tournament actually started. They they started started and didn't finish is what it was. Okay. Well, they just, I think the rain and the weather, you know, kind of threw the whole schedule. But they do have a a Saturday, you call it a a rain relief day. Uh, in the event that, you know, maybe you have Plus, to play if necessary games yes. or you maybe have some weather games yeah. or you have games that are postponed due to weather. Which is what happened last year. Right. Right. That's what happened last year. So um, did you notice, and I, I tweeted you this, did you notice the ACC was using my format that I recommended? I had yes. no idea they were, I had no idea they were doing pool play brackets with yes. 12 teams. I just, I just thought that was pretty, pretty awesome, pretty, pretty cool. I, I just, anyway, uh, let's take a look at the, let's take a look at the matchups here. What we got? Game number one, 
We've got Texas Southern versus Florida A and M. Drew, what what are you? Just some some thoughts. Of course, with with uh, I, I was trying to see if anybody had previously played anybody in these matchups, and I don't think that is the case, uh, especially in the opening round games. I got to look here to Grambling Jackson State. They may have played in that pre in one of those classes. I'm gonna look. But what 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 are your thoughts on that opening game? Nine o'clock Wednesday. Texas Southern versus FAMU. Uh, can the FAMU pitching stand up to the Texas Southern hitting? Ooh, yes. That's basically what it, that's basically what I had. That that would be my number one question. Can that can that can that stand up? against each other. And you know what's interesting about this, Brian? Texas Southern became the number two seed despite the fact that them and Southern had the same identical record. In conference play. In conference. Yes. And you know you know how they became the number two you know how they became the number two seed, Brian? We were we were trying to figure that out offline. Uh, break break it all the way down. How did they get to be? I, I, I don't know what tiebreaker number it is because you went through and determined the first couple of tiebreakers. Uh, they were they split head to head because they only played four matchups. Right, uh, two and two and two, two and two, and obviously they had the same identical record division wise. So we looked at the next head to head was record against a. Uh, the top team Grambling. in the division, which was which was Grambling State, Texas Southern, two and three. Southern, two and four. What's the difference, Brian? Why did Southern? Why did Texas Southern only play five games, and Southern played six games? And, and- rainouts that were not made up. Yeah. Um, and remember, we talked about this. We've talked about this for the last few weeks. Would these rain outs potentially affect C? Yeah. And it it it, 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 it appears that way. It appears that way. I mean, I we don't have the official word, and I haven't read it in a press release, so let's state that. I haven't yes. read it anywhere. But it but based appears- on based on the knowledge that we have and for people who understand the SWAT formulas. Well, also, let me, tell, let, me, let me add this, Drew. Also, we understand that the SWAT does their standings based on win percentage. So it would seem that if it came down to your record versus Grambling, they went by win percentage. Which was 400 versus 333. Exactly. So, you know. And, and 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 the one thing also they, they tried multiple times to play those uh those rainout games to be to be frank with you, correct. But but Brian, is it really? So Texas Texas Southern comes over to the side of the bracket with Alabama A and I mean Alabama State in it, correct? Uh yes, Texas Southern does. Yes, they come over to the A bracket, which is where um the the number one seed Southern as a number three is probably sitting 
in a better position than Texas Southern as the two. Hey, Southern I, who has won. Southern has a better chance of Southern has Southern a better has chance of coming out of that of their last eleven. You talk about the hot team right now. Yes, it's Alabama State over on the other side, but Southern has won ten of the last eleven. We are set up for Southern. Ooh, don't say it. Don't say Alabama it. State. Is that what you? Is that what you're saying? Is that what yes, you're calling? We are it? set up for Southern Alabama wow, State. True. No disrespect wow. to the other three on that uh, to that side of the bracket, but it does. It's set up perfectly for a rematch. Southern in the finals for I. Uh, I'm going back and I'm going off the top of my head four years in a row that they would they would be in the finals. Uh, now that that part I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past anybody out there know how many years has it been exactly for Southern? Yeah, it seems like it's been at least three or four in a row. I know it's been at least last two because they beat Jackson State uh, the year before Florida A&M and Bethune came in. They lost to Alabama State last year. So I know it's at minimum the last two years in a row. Well, what will be interesting for Florida A&M is, now I don't think Texas Southern was in this field last year, but for FAMU, here's a team that I think they lost their opening game or was it they won the opening game and then lost the next one? I think that's how it went. They won the first game, lost the next game, a game that they had a big lead and they kind of blew it. Um, and so they had to get all the way through the elimination to the last game where they had to play the team that hadn't lost. Uh, I think so FAMU had to win like one, two, three games in two days to get to the champions or get to the championship of the bracket. Anyway, Florida A&M finished third. Uh, they were the last team standing who didn't make the tournament or a championship game rather. So, sure. yeah. So we, you know, that, that's one of the things that came out after talking that we, we talked to Hunter Veach. So it'll be interesting. Hunter Veach, uh, FAMU's lead pitcher, uh, will, will take the mound. Uh, just a, a couple of interesting numbers here for you, Drew. Texas Southern comes into the contest with the third best batting average in the SWAC. Now that's in conference games, uh, batting 310. But, you know, if you're somebody who thinks slugging percentage is better than batting average, well, then Florida AM comes in with the third best slugging percentage at 0.498 in the conference. Um, both of these teams are second and third in terms of home runs during the year. FAMU with 37 home runs during the year. Texas Southern with 36. Uh, in case you wanted to know about on-base percentage in terms of hitting, Texas Southern, 0.429. The one thing I will say, FAMU would rank ninth in on-base percentage. What, what, what is the stat that you look for? Is it is it batting average, slugging percentage? What do you think? You know, they say slugging percentage is the more accurate. If you if you were to look at you look at OBS plus, okay, which is on base uh, percentage plus slugging percentage. Okay, so that, really that, that tells you that they're getting on, plus they're getting on with multiple bases. So in the SWAC, that is the OB percentage, I believe. 
OBP. Uh, oh, there's OBS plus. OBP would be how it's listed. Yeah, it's not listed on their site as OB plus. They just have the OB percentage. Yeah, just on base. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move over it to the OBS. Other- I'm sorry, it would be listed as OBS. Do they have OBS? No, they they just have OB percentage, and I yeah. think. But OB but it's but it's real easy. Just add the slugging plus OB, and that tells you OBS plus. I, I think that's what this number is. If I'm, you know, and I, and I would say that because I think when it, when you go into the, uh, the individual leaders, like the leaders. Individual, le- okay, so yeah, on individual leaders, they do have OPS there, which is yeah. on base plus, plus slug- slugging percentage. Yes. Okay, so that they don't have that stat necessarily for the teams, but they do have it for individuals. Correct. All right, let's move over to the second game of the day, which will be at noon. That's Bethune-Cookman versus Southern. Uh, coming up here a little bit uh, shortly, we're going to get a few words with Coach Johnny Hernandez of Bethune-Cookman. But uh, you just talked about it, Drew. Here's uh, Bethune who comes in with one of the – look, they're one of the top two pitching staffs in terms of statistics. But like I said, they're they're playing probably the second hottest team right now coming into the tournament. Your thoughts? Remember I was uh, trying to give you a number. Southern has appeared in the last three SWAC tournament championship game, winning two of them. So, oh, by the way, Brian, the team that owns the most SWAT baseball titles oh, would, also be, would also be Southern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With 19 of them, Jackson State being second with 13. And, of course, Florida A&M and Bethune seeking their first as the newest members to the Southwest Athletic Conference. So, uh, yeah, kid. Can the, the East, who has traditionally been known as the pitching conference, where well, not traditionally, is now known as the pitching division, slow down the bats of the Western division of the team? Carlos, they got hot when they always get hot, Carlos Brown. <laughs> I told you. In my best, Aaron Rodgers are. E-L-A-X. Hey, did it help Southern? They they have won eight of their last nine conference games, but does it help that they played UAPB, Alcorn State, and Prairie View? Get right games. <laughs> get, get right games for Southern. Get right, you, you, everybody needs a get right game. Yeah. Hey, look, it got them into the tournament. Let's keep it real. I mean, and, 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 and why are you playing, Brian? Most people have not swept those teams that you named, UAPB and Alcorn. UAPB and Alcorn has stuck one game in a in a series. Now UAPB got swept by Southern. That's my point. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Against I other opponents. I, oh, okay. I got you. I got you. Against other opponents. Okay. Alcorn okay. has gotten out of town with one game. Hmm. Yeah, against this team. Right, right. Um, Bethune Cookman, second best team ERA, four point seven eight. 
Uh, they are the only they're they're one of two teams with an under five ERA in conference, which is and a whole other discussion in itself. Yeah, there's and then there's one team that has an under four ERA, uh, second fewest in walk batters uh, with 105, third most strikeouts as a team. Um, opponents bat 267 against Bethune pitching, which is the third best opponents BA in uh in the uh in the tournament. So that that'll be interesting to see how that game goes. Let's go to the uh second half of the day at 3 p.m. You get the excuse me, you get the one seed, Alabama State. Uh the hot team uh had a had a, a 10 game winning streak, SWAT winning streak broken up by FAMU, but technically they've won 12 of the last 13 or, uh, yeah, 12 of the last 13, something to that effect, or maybe nine of the last, or 11 of the last 12 is probably a better way of saying it. But, uh, you know, they are the team that in every category, when I went through my notes, Drew, they are either leading, uh, they led the SWAT, and these are conference stats only. We'll talk about this shortly. They led the, they, they led the SWAC in Batting average, slugging percentage, second and OB percentage, most home runs, and then had the best team ERA, fewest walks, second most strikeouts, second fewest opponents batting average. I mean, Southern, Alabama A&M, Alabama State looks the part, Drew. They look statistically, they looked the part over 30 games. Now they got to now they got to do it in five, right, or four, maybe. That's what it comes down to, right? Yes. You know? Um, so, yeah, Prairie View, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of just see how how that happens. Again, they, the teams never played each other during the season. Um, I don't believe. Just kind of looking through my notes here because I know, no, Alabama State only played Grambling and Southern previously. All right, and then the last game of day one, is at 6 p.m., and that's Grambling versus Jackson State. So you get the one seeds at night or in the second half of the day. Grambling State, of course. Now, hey, Drew, Grambling, everywhere that Alabama State has been in terms of these numbers or what I what I spotlighted in terms of, you know, whether it be hitting or pitching, you know who's right there, well, at least in the hitting category, you know who's right there with them? Grambling that State. Would, that would be the Tigers. Yeah, Grambling State's been right there with them. Second in batting average, second in slugging, uh, fourth in home runs, uh, you know, tops in OB percentage. So, uh, they, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, you know, and then there's Jackson State, I think, uh, coming in with a, what, 13 and 10 record. In 13 and 17, the only team under 500 in conference uh, percentage, win percentage. That made the tournament. That made the tournament. Yeah, they they were probably the eighth. I mean, Prairie View at least finished 15 and 14, uh, one game short of the 30, but they came in just over 500. So, uh, what, what's your thoughts? Any any thoughts here on that game? No, uh, this 
It's a rival game, bro. Is it? Yeah, I mean, it's not Jackson State Southern, but you know, this is this is a friendly rivalry between these two. Um, back At least on... between the fan bases. Okay. Not maybe between the team, but between the fan base. Back on February 26th in New Orleans, Jackson State ended up beating Grambling by a score of 12 to 11 in 12 innings. That was that uh, Andre Dawson event uh, all the way back in February. So uh, needless to say, you know, Jackson State, not, not going to be shy at all about uh, about taking on Grambling. Uh, Grambling, really, their season has really turned around once they got into March. Because you look at them early in the year, you know, they had a loss to Prairie View, lost to Southern, lost to Alabama State and Jackson State, lost two out of three to FAMU. I mean, they – they, they took it on the chin in a few SWAT games early in the year while they were trying to find themselves. And uh, and then they got into conference play, and it was like, okay, let's play. And so, you know, props to uh, Grambling. I think, I think I saw that it was the first time since 2012 or 2013 that Grambling had won the division in the SWAT baseball. Yeah, they last won the conference in 2010. Okay. Yeah. Been a while. Been a while. Yeah. Uh, what was that you posted from Jeremiah Clark? Why am I giving UAPV and Valley? And we'll go ahead and throw Alcorn. Did you give them credit? Where did, where did you give them credit? Jeremiah, look and see how many, of the, how many times those three teams did not get swept by these teams that are in the tournament. That's why I'm giving them credit. That's why I gave I was giving Southern credit for actually handling their handling their business against the teams that they should be handling their business against. Mm-hmm. Whereas we've seen we've seen Gramley give up on the Alcorn or to UAPB, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We've seen though Alabama, here's here's the thing, Brian. Alabama State handled their business. Against the bottom of the division, actually, Alabama State handled their business pretty much against everybody. But Southern, the back half of the season, also handled their business against the bottom ones of the division. All those other three teams: Prairie View, Texas Southern, and Grambling dropped at least one game in the series to either Alcorn or UAPB teams that they should have swept, which is why those teams were so bundled up there at the at the bottom of the teams that qualified for the division. Because the games that they needed to get their separation, they did not handle their business. So not, not necessarily giving those other teams credit, but I'm talking about the lack of handling business from our tournament team, which is why I have to 
maybe not have quite as much faith in those non uh in those other tournament teams. Before we uh before we take a quick break, Drew, and come back to talking about the SWAC, I gotta make a mention about non-SWAC Division One baseball because there's really only one team that's playing in postseason tournament baseball per their conference. Uh, that's Maryland Eastern Shore. They are the sixth seed. Oh, they still got baseball over there? Yeah, they still got baseball. They're playing in the playing. NEC. They're playing in the, playing. <laughs> they're playing in the Northeast Conference, which uh, they begin – May 24th through the 28th, same as the SWAT, in uh, Wapingers Falls, New York. Sounds beautiful. I have no idea where it is, but um, <laughs> they actually take on FDU, Fairleigh Dickinson. They are the sixth seed, and uh, they only play six teams in the NEC, so, you know, the one and two seeds get a bye into Thursday. And so... Yeah, Maryland. Double elimination or seven elimination? Uh, no, it's it's um, it's it's double elimination. Okay, I'm yeah, just curious. Dude. Yep, no, glad you asked. So, uh, if they if they well, they go with the lowest seed playing the winner. So if Emmy, if uh, Maryland Eastern Shore were to win, they would play Central yeah. Connecticut as the one. There, that's the one seed. If they were to lose, they would play, obviously, the loser of the other side, which is Sacred Heart and Long Island LIU. I mean, Long Island University, if I've got that right. Um, yes. So, yeah, that's so that's uh, that's an 11 a.m. game for Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, right. You saw who almost snuck in there. No, I did not. Coppin. Coppin. Yes, you notice there are three teams tied there at the bottom. Uh, Coppin did not get in there, and if you go back to Thursdays inside the HBCU Sports Lab, they have been on Tuesday where we talked about it. And I told everyone to pay attention to Coppin because Coppin had an easier role to get in. They forced the tie, but unfortunately, they lost the tiebreaker because Coppin played Norfolk, who was the bottom dweller in their oh, conference. Yeah. Uh, Coppin, Coppin handled their business against Norfolk. Yeah. Coppin swept that series. Winners of – they won three in a row. Merrimack, who was that other team. Actually, you know, Coppin is tied with Maryland Eastern Shore and Merrimack. Correct. They have all equal 14 and 16 in NEC play. Coppin's win percentage is slightly below Merrimack, but I guess – Somewhere within the head-to-heads, Maryland Eastern Shore comes out on top, and they end up getting the bid. Uh, North Carolina A&T, or, or, or uh, who else is in the CAA? Hampton? Uh, no, no, the Hampton doesn't play baseball. Oh, Hampton, I don't know. You're probably right. Yeah, uh, you've got you've got Coppin, Delaware State, Maryland Eastern Shore, and Norfolk. Right, but I was saying over in the – I was just going to the next conference in the CAA. Oh, just, just uh, A&T is the only one. Yeah, and like, yep, they did not play. play. Right, and, of course, Tennessee State doesn't play baseball, which is a shame. Yeah. Uh, so they aren't a part of the OVC baseball tournament. So I don't know, you know, that's something you folks – they do have a, a good alumni base. Tennessee State has a very strong history 
in baseball, but unfortunately, uh, no, no team right now. Maybe that will change. Uh, let's do this, Drew. Let's take a break, come back. We'll either have Coach Hernandez with us or we'll continue breaking down just a few other interesting tidbits from the SWAC baseball tournament. Might even, uh, I did some looking at Massey ratings, Drew, because you know I had to go there. Uh, some interesting results from the computers based on the opening round of the SWAC baseball tournament. And we'll talk about player of the year. Drew, we, there might be a Rattler in contention for hitter of the year. And I give you, I'll give you the statistics and you tell me if that sounds like somebody who is worthy of being the Don't swag be names. hitter just of the give, year. Nope. I'm just give, me, give, give me a couple, give me a couple players to the stats and I'll tell you. I will. All right. Let's take a break, come back, and we'll have uh Coach Hernandez with us from Bethune Cookman. And uh we'll we'll get his uh his thoughts on the SWAC tournament. Uh, coming up on the other side. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. It's a pleasure to be joined by Coach Johnny Hernandez, who took some time out from Coach. You look like you got some sun. You look like you got you got a little uh, got a little sun on you. You're ready to go. How you doing tonight, Coach? Thanks for taking some time out to join us. 
I'm doing good. You know, anytime that us as coaches can take some time to spend time with the family, as hectic as the whole year is, you obviously got to do it, um, especially when you're leading up to leave to Atlanta, you know, tomorrow with the guys for the SWAC tournament. So had to get my last, I guess, day off with the family in. If not, you know, I was going to be in trouble at home. So so I can't afford that. Well, hey, we, we appreciate your family for, for allowing you to take a few moments away from that quality time to, to join us. Uh, give us, uh, you, you guys are going into the, uh, SWAC season as the, um, the number two seed in bracket, uh, bracket B, uh, give us, just share your thoughts on, on this season and, uh, where your team is at going into the tournament. Um, I think overall we had a pretty good season. You know, if you look at overall, we finished the year over 500, uh, with 29 wins uh, on the year and I believe 24, 25 losses. And I think that's, one of the goals that, that we set out at the beginning of the year. Um, and again, I mean, we, we improved from where we were last year, especially in the SWAT conference. I think we went 19-11 last year and we were the three seed uh, going into, you know, the tournament. We have 20 SWAC wins. We're the number two seed, so we improved there. Just overall, we improved in, in everything that we wanted to do. Um, it seems like every weekend in the East, uh, it's a dogfight. You know, whether you're playing against Alabama State, FAMU, uh, Jackson State and even how tough Valley and Alabama A&M were this year, um, not to take anything away from the West, but I can only speak above the experiences that we had. Um, and it was a dogfight, uh, very competitive on our side. And we're just looking forward to match up with the other teams and, you know, make a run at, at the SWAC championship. We, you know, the, the my own personal thought, I, I think it's, a, it's sort of a disappointment that the East and West don't get a chance to play each other. But going into this, uh, tournament where unless you played somebody earlier in February, you're going in sort of blind uh, for at least the opening game. Um, how do you feel or, or maybe what about playing those opponents in the East that you mentioned? What What is it that about playing those opponents that, that kind of gives you uh, a, um, a, a good feeling going into or at least preparing you, prepared you for this uh, first contest against Southern? I think just the overall grind uh, that it took, you know, to play the conference season with teams, like I mentioned, Alabama State, who's re receiving national, you know, attention with their votes in the top 25. you got a team that, you know, anytime you get Bethune-Cookman and FAMU, whether, you know, you're playing basketball, football, shoot, you might have two guys play checkers. They're going to go at it, right? Nobody wants to lose. <laughs> Um, and even as tough as Jackson State, I mean, they're, they are a four seed, but I mean, again, it just speaks volume of how competitive the SWAC East is. Now, when you're looking at playing an opponent that you haven't seen all year, you just got to revert back to your training and your ability to know what your team can do and can't do. And at the end of the day, it's, it's one game and you play the full nine innings. Again, you control what you can. You trust that, you know, you have a guy on the mound who's going to do, you know, very good for you. Uh, you play clean defense and you have timely hitting and you stay within the moment. You know, you can't let any moment get too big, but you also can't let any moment get too low. Uh, but again, I mean, we trust in our guys and, and our ability to coach our guys up and what we may be able to do. And every situation that's put in through our season has led up to now this one game against Southern on Wednesday at 12 o'clock. Go ahead, Drew. All right, coach. Uh, it, it's tournament time. And for those out there who have never been a part of a conference tournament, it's a different animal than regular season. So you arrive in Atlanta tomorrow. What 
changes as far as your schedule and your daily routine once you get to a tournament and what things still remain constant once you once you get there uh to compare it to just a regular road trip i think one of the things i learned from last year and last year was our first time in the swag tournament and the first time that we were in a conference tournament with me, me at the head coach here at bethune uh every sunday we decided to hit in the cages to get us ready for what the swag tournament was going to be because you know as you know once you get there you don't have you know your full access to infield outfield and hitting bp on the field your daily routine that you go through during the course of the year so i think we put that in our guys you know every sunday we're gonna hit in the cage uh so it wouldn't be something new you know for them i think you set it up with pitching um i think we've done a pretty good job you know recruiting uh pitching depth um i'm a big believer that you're never going to slug your way to a championship it comes down to pitching and defense so again, I think that there's just things that have happened throughout the course of the year, uh, whether it's been good or bad, that has all led us to this point now in the season where it's just play baseball, you know, it, it take it one game at a time. Don't worry about Sunday, you gotta worry about Wednesday and focus on the task that's at hand in front of you. Whoever the opponent is, it doesn't matter. Just you gotta pitch well, you gotta play clean defense and you gotta have time to hitting all the way around. Uh, and you, you bring up pitch, obviously, in order to get through a tournament where you have to win minimum of four games, uh, and if you uh, wind up dropping a game in there, then that increases the games you have to win, five, six, maybe up to seven games to get back to that ultimate goal. How, talk talk about bullpen because pitching is key when it, when it comes to tournament. Talk about bullpen, how you set up the bullpen, and during the regular season, coaches take that risk, okay, this game has gotten away from us. We'll go. We'll go ahead and spend spend this arm to say these arms down the line in the regular season because you still may have day two or day three of a three game series versus the tournament where every at bat counts whether you're on defense or whether you're on offense, and sometimes you get forced to make pitching changes during the tournament that you may not necessarily make in the regular season. Kind of walk us through all of that, coach. Yeah, I mean, definitely, right? It comes down to pitching and especially the bullpen, you know, and if you, you do run into a situation where your starting pitcher, you know, doesn't give you five or six innings, well, you have to have prepared your players and your student athletes for those moments. And I think, again, throughout the course of this season, we've been able to do that. You know, I think for right now, we have about four or five guys in the pen that we know we can throw. But again, it, it just comes down to the experiences that our student athletes and our players have had throughout the course of the year to get them ready you know, for this type of tournament, for this type of action, um, even with the way that we schedule, you know, we want to play the top teams whenever we can. Our midweek schedule, we're playing Miami, Florida, Florida State. We don't shy away from playing the power five schools because we want to put our players in a situation where they're comfortable in an uncomfortable setting. And that's going to tell us who we can depend on and who we can. And, you know, I think for us going into the tournament, the 12 or 13 arms that we have, we can definitely depend on them in any situation starter role you know long relief back end type guy to shut the door down um and and we feel confident in our guys to get the job done yeah, and hopefully those midweek games gave those uh opportunities for those guys who don't know to get innings on uh on a weekend series to uh get some innings because somebody's midweek starter or somebody's midweek middle relief guy is going to make a difference with one of these teams in the tournament. It, ha it happens every year. I've, I've, I've seen enough of these tournaments to uh, to know that. Go ahead, Brian. 
uh, while we're talking about pitching, I got to come to your your guy, uh, Nolan Santos. Uh, I was just looking up the current numbers. Uh, so far, I, I guess the end of the regular season, number two overall in the nation, all of Division One in terms of strikeouts uh, with 124. And, of course, leading the conference. I'm looking at the conference stats. Leading the conference and batters struck out, batters struck out looking, which is a great stat, by the way. I didn't know they separated it like that, <laughs> but I think that's, <laughs> kind, of, I think that's yeah. kind of interesting. That's kind of funny. Um, and then that's, uh, a, that's a nasty, that's a nasty change of Brian that you just can't pull the trigger when you just when you just stand up there and window shop. Yeah, I was I looking. Think, <laughs> right, I, I think as a pitcher, I'd want to be tops on that list. You know what I'm saying? Where I got guys looking. I think that's the list I'd want to be tops on, and also. Opposing batting average. So as we talk about Nolan, um, he's been your guy all year, produced for you. Uh, definitely should be in the running for pitcher of the year. Uh, tell us about him. You know, I'm not going to ask you if you're going to run him out there on day one. I'm, I'm going to let you, you know, I'm going to let you uh, handle that. But just give us some thoughts about him and, and what he's made of and and just a little bit about him. Man, he's a great dude. You know, I remember my time, you know, coaching junior college down in, in Miami and he was a 10th grader in high school. Um, and, and I saw what he had, just the plus pitch ability command. Uh, and I remember the conversation we had like, hey, you're going to get a division one opportunity. But if you want to go junior college, let me know because uh, we love to have you. And then it, sure enough, it turns out where, you know, I, I get the opportunity to become the head coach of Bethune Cookman. And Nolan Santos was one of my first calls that I made to make sure we had a guy like that because we knew what we were going to get from him. Um, that's a guy that last year was our Saturday starter. Um, you know, and the way that we pitched last year, I felt that we were, we had two Friday night guys going on Friday and, so, and Saturday. Uh, some things happened this year and he took full advantage of being the Friday guy for us. So, you know, he's a competitor, you know, he's a bulldog. He's going to give you all you got. He's a team first type guy, all of the individual accolades and awards that, you know, he's received and I think will receive doesn't mean anything if we don't win at the end of the day because that's just the mindset of Nolan, right? He's a team guy. He wants to be able to, you know, put our university, our baseball brand on a national scale, and he's done his part. Um, and everybody else, you know, we're just really just picking back off his success. You know, there's a certain confidence, obviously, that, you know, the team goes with and he's on the mound. Not to say that that confidence is not there when he's not pitching because we do have other guys on the mound that have had success for us this year. But there's just something about Nolan, man, that separates him from, you know, from everybody else, I, I, not only on our team, but in the conference and I believe in the country as well. You know, so, um, again, you know, we he, he's just going to go about his business and does what he needs to do. And he's going to give us the best opportunity to win. And that's all we can ask for. Hey, Brian, before you ask your next question, can I ask Coach a follow up on that right quick? Yeah, please go ahead. I was going to throw to you anyway. Uh, Coach. Brian and I understand what a Friday guy versus a Saturday guy versus a Sunday guy versus a midweek guy is. But some of our viewers may not understand that. If you could break down what, what, what you call a Friday guy versus a Saturday, a Saturday guy for those who may not follow college baseball as much as they do maybe professional baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think the Friday night guy, you're going up against everybody's best. It's the first game of the series. You want to have that guy to be able to give you an opportunity to set the tone for the weekend, you know. Uh, that's how we look at it. Um, you know, it's it's not necessarily the best stuff guy, in my opinion. It's just a guy that's going to compete and be able to give you length uh, throughout the course of the game so you don't tax your bullpen the first game of a series. 
Now, for us, our Saturday guy, we we have to put, you know, that person in play to give us an opportunity to not only possibly win the series or have an opportunity to tie a series. So the mindset, sh the mindset shifts a little bit where you got to have a competitor, a grinder, a guy that's going to give you everything that you got for maybe five, six innings to, again, kind of alleviate taxing the bullpen so early on a Saturday if you're trying to not only win a series or sweep a series on a Sunday. Um, but again, like how I explained it to Nolan, it's the best part of a sandwich is what? The middle part. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. The best part of an Oreo is the filling. So <laughs> last year, I had to tell him the best part of our rotation. And he's like, oh, coach, I got you. Because there, there was some stuff where he could have been the Friday guy last year for us. But we just felt for us how we were set up. He was the best guy for us on Saturday to win a series or if we did drop Friday to give us an opportunity to, you know, to, to tie the series. Um, but those are the two differences, in my opinion, you know, from our side of things, a uh, Friday, Saturday guy. I, I got you. I got you. Uh, go ahead. Brian. Go ahead, Brian. No, go ahead. All well, right, all right. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brian. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got it. You got it. It's your – go ahead. Because uh, because I, I, I was going to pivot a little bit. I was going to pivot to uh, – to the west side where and what i'm saying i'm pivoting to the west side you know right now the swag baseball schedule does not allow an opportunity for east versus west to cross over during the regular season especially in games that would count towards record is there a remedy out there that you may see that may allow for more East-West crossover so that when you come into a tournament like this, you're not coming in blind. Or even if you have faced an opponent with doggone it, it was in February during the first two weeks of the season, and you don't know you don't know your rotation from your pitching order from anything else. And a lot of the teams that you see that we saw in February are not the teams that we're going to see at the end of May. Yeah, I mean, I think if we can find a way somehow financially – to cross over and play each other and have those games count. Um, I think that that is something that would only heighten the brand uh, of the SWAC baseball um, in the sense on a national scale, in my opinion. I think that, you know, you, you can find ways doing that is just coming together and formulating a plan where it's not going to be, I guess, a financial burden to institutions, you know, to do that. I think that's the biggest thing. I think that there, if there was a situation Maybe it's something where all the East teams play against each other one time and you cross over one time to the West where each, you know, at least one team does not go to Florida twice or a Florida team doesn't go to Texas twice. Because I believe in every other sport, they do have some sort of cross-divisional games that do count for SWAC uh, conference standings. Um, but that's conversations, you know, that, that'll be with the coaches. Uh, then it has to be taken up to vote. Then it goes up to the ADs and the presidents and the chancellors. Um, so do I see something happening? I would love to because for me, I would love to play everybody. Um, you know, I, but it just all depends how all that goes with the voting structure of, you know, how we do things here. Mm -hmm. Well, will you and the other coaches, I, I don't know when you plan to get up to Atlanta, but is there an opportunity maybe where you guys as coaches get a chance to have a coaches uh, conversations or, and talk about, you know, rules or, or things that you guys would maybe think about wanting to do in the future? Or is it really, hey, that's not the time to do that. We're kind of going to focus in on just uh, this this particular week. 
I think with what's all at stake, you know, this uh, this upcoming week, uh, you know, SWAC championship on the line and, and a birth to the NCAA regionals. I mean, I can't see a situation where, you know, we all meet and discuss, you know, things to come in the future. I think that usually, from my experience, uh, usually is done after the year, after the postseason has concluded uh, for whatever team uh, represents the SWAC baseball conference um, at the regional tournament. Um, but I'm, I'm sure those are things that, that we'll discuss, just like we discuss things, you know, every year, kind of post uh, year. Um, and any recommendations that possibly can be made will possibly be made throughout the course of the summer once the baseball season is officially concluded in the SWAC conference. Gotcha. Gotcha. I want to give you the last word, Coach. You've been gracious with your time this evening. Any uh, any shout outs you'd like to give? Anything you'd like to say to Wildcat Nation? You know, this is the most time we ever give the Wildcats, Coach. So you take advantage of it while you while you got it. <laughs> uh, well, for, yeah, first of all, I want to thank you guys for all you do, you know, covering HBCU sports. And, and when the baseball season comes around, you guys do a phenomenal job just telling the stories of the institutions. I, I think that that's great. Um, and, and I do think for all the viewers, not just Wildcat Nation, but those that their teams and universities are going to the SWAC baseball tournament in Atlanta, I believe that this year is going to be a very competitive baseball conference tournament. I think a little bit more competitive than what it was last year, um, just based on kind of what I'm seeing. But um, if you're out there, support the institutions, you know, support the student athletes. They sacrifice a lot. They give a lot to represent our institutions and the way the fans and, and everyone can give back is just showing up and just pulling for, for the institutions in which the student athletes are represented because without them, we have no SWAC tournament. So, so we got to make sure that, you know, we give them all the support, all the love. We understand football is king. Football is the Mecca, but there's something to say about SWAC baseball um, and, and how it's going to be able to, you know, do some great things for us moving forward in HBCU sports and on a national scale as well. So if you're in Atlanta, come out to Georgia Tech and support the Swag Baseball Tournament. Well, I'll be there Thursday, Coach, to support who, uh, which, whichever team, all eight teams, because I, I plan on being there for the first game on Thursday, and hopefully you won't leave until that final game on Thursday. Don't know what day Brian is going to get to the tournament. <laughs> Hey, look, I'll, I'll be there, Coach, for that for that Bethune FAMU SWAC championship game. That's when I'll be there. How about that? that, that <laughs> I, I plan on being there Saturday. No, yeah, my, my plans got messed up because of school. But I, I plan on being there Saturday. But uh, I, that's why I'm, I'm rooting for you guys on that side of the bracket. You know, I got to root for my alma mater. And then, hey, I, I'm hoping that we get a Florida championship. That'll just – that'll just – just say it, Brian. That would piss off the whole thing. Exactly. I can say that, Coach. I'm going to say that. Exactly. Hey, uh, Coach, safe travels to you and the team. Uh, much good health. Uh, be well. And, and good luck. Good luck. It's, it's going to be fun. Thank you for your time tonight. No, thank you. I appreciate you guys once again. I'll see you guys next week in Atlanta. All right, sir. Safe travels. All right. Thank you. All right. Coach, uh, Coach Hernandez jumping in there. We appreciate that. Um, that's awesome, man. Hey, look, that, that Nolan Santos kid. Woo. Hey, Drew, there, there's some real, I, if you, I love the way the, the SWAC aggregates their, their leaders on the SWAC website. Now we got an interesting conversation we got to have, right? About pitcher of the year, hitter of the year. Okay. Because there are some guys putting up some, you know, when it comes to pitcher of the year, first off, let me ask if you're evaluating, if you were a voter, and again, we have no idea who these voters are, probably ADs and coaches, but if you're a voter, 
It's usually just coaches uh, for end of the season awards. Okay, are you looking at conference only statistics or are you looking at the overall statistics? What What are you looking at? What should you be looking at? You're asking me you, personally. You, you. What, what What do you think they should be looking at? First of all, ha having played, Swank is a unique situation because normally you've had an opportunity to see all the players because you've played everybody at least one. But Swank, you you don't do that. So. And, and, and I might be telling the secret to a little bit of the secret to the sauce, Brian. Uh -oh. If if I have a player, let's just say hitter of the year, Brian. Mm -hmm. If I have a player who is a good shot to be hitter of the year, knowing that I cannot vote for a player from my own school, I vote for their person out that outlier. Mm. Okay. Hoping that everyone else votes <laughs> for my player. Because if I vote for the number two person, if I think my my player is number one, or, yeah, or I vote for the, yeah, if I vote for that next person up, my vote may be the vote that pushes that person over the top and beats my player. And there are plenty of coaches and administrators who face that dilemma. Mm -hmm. Now, if I don't have a player who has a dog in the fight for, say, pitcher of the year or hitter of the year, then, you know, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm looking at, first of all, I, I'm thinking about what that what that player did to us when they mm -hmm. faced us. Right. No, because I it, it, I know how good my team is or how bad my team is, depending on what year it is. So how did they do against us? No, that's number one. Then how did they do against the best team in the, in the conference and or the division? Then I may go and look at their overall conference numbers. And if I still need something to separate that player from another player, then I may look at overall numbers, conference and non-conference. But that would be the order that I would look at numbers, Ryan. Okay, so with that said, what what stats are you looking at? Because as I look oh, through the pitching, oh, which one, pitcher pitching, or hitter? We're, we're still on pitching. You know, um, earned run average, uh, opposing batting average, batters struck out, batters struck out looking, wins, losses. Um, you, I'm a little bit of I'm a little bit of a different stat type person brian okay i'm looking for yeah first of all i'm i'm, I'm looking at earned runs okay i'm also looking at earned runs versus total runs why am i looking at that how good is that person's defense if there's not that much disparity between earned runs and total runs then you know that 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 their player has a good defense behind them. Also, hits, 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 and walks. Not necessarily batting average, but what's their on-base percentage against them? That's hits, that's walks, that's HBP, hit by pitches. 
how many how many batters are getting on base? Then I'm gonna look a little bit further. How many compared to the number of batters getting on base compared to run score? They let them get on base, but they pitch it out of the jam. That's that's a bonus for me. You know, I, I, I look at things like that, then you know, you go to your uh your your opponent's batting average, your whip, there's walks versus uh innings pitch, you know. There, there, there are a number of statistics for, for a pitcher that you can look at. So for earned run, I, I'm a, I, I recall I'm, on, I'm trying to recall some of those things that you mentioned. Earned run average. Here's some names that are kind of interesting in the mix. You know, we no, mentioned don't, give, me, give me the numbers, don't give me the names. How about that? Well, okay, there's a couple different guys, but um, I, I don't know how to do it that way because okay. it's so look, this is what I'm saying. Pitching the pitcher of the year, unlike last year where you had the young man from Grambling who was kind of set apart from everybody else. Yes. I think you got two or three candidates this year, <clears throat> which will make it kind of interesting to see what they value, which is why I kind of asked you the way I asked you, because – for example, we all know Nolan Santos leads the league in strikeouts, nationally leads the country, second in the country in strikeouts. He has the third best opponent opposing batting average, uh, 214 in the SWAT, right? Um, but in terms of wins, uh, he, he's not, he hasn't collected the, the most wins yet. He, he's not in the top 10, okay? So, what about his walks? Um, uh, walks allowed. Uh, walks allowed. Not in the top ten, according to the SWAC statistics. A few as walks. Not yeah, I mean, you know, and now number ten is fourteen. So who knows? I mean, he could have fifteens for all I know, and he can just fall. You know, the, the number one person. So we potentially got so we potentially got a Dolan Ryan situation. Yeah, uh, uh, possibly. Yeah, because you know it's interesting. You talked about hits allowed. Um, you know, he's not in the top ten under hits allowed. Uh, runs allowed. Uh, he's not top ten on runs allowed either. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. So strikeouts is his only claim to fame, is what you're saying. Uh, uh, Not his only, but his top opponent opposing batting average. I mean, okay. opponents are hitting 214, which is third best, right? Okay. So strikeouts and opponents and opposing batting. Average. Now the guy, young man uh, Shadai, I think I'm saying that right. I hope I am. Shadai Cologne from Alabama State now leads the league in opposing batting average. Opponents are 167. Uh, wow. Second, second and earn run average two twenty five. Uh, let's see, Cologne is, you know, what's kind of interesting. Cologne doesn't he had the most wins on his team? He's actually got a teammate, uh, Ricardo Rivera, who has eight wins in the year. Uh, um, so like the next thing, hits allowed, fewest hits allowed. Cologne twenty three. Runs allowed, fourth fewest runs allowed with 15. Um, you know, so wins I, I, on the college level can be such a misleading stat. Earned runs allowed, he has the third fewest earned runs. Actually, he's tied for first in earned runs allowed. That's at 10. Um, 
but but he's one, and, and that's the thing. You know, we talk about teams with pitching staff. I mean, Alabama State, they actually between Cologne, Ricardo Rivera, Omar Melendez. I mean, that's that's three guys who are scattered all over the top tens. Uh, obviously, Bethune has uh, Santos, but they've also got uh, uh, Joan Gonzalez or Joan Gonzalez. And I'm trying to see. I thought there was another young man here. Uh, Texas Southern's got a got a young man in in the mix here. And, you know, Hunter Veets for FAMUs scattered across. I, I That's why I said, Drew, it, unlike, unlike, unlike what I'm about to tell you in hitting, I, you know, I, I just think it's so hard to come up with that picture of the year. Yeah. Just don't make wins one of your requirements, Brian, because wins in college baseball is such a hard stat to it is? Okay. evaluate. Because would, would you – and what you can't tell about this, but how many times are these starting pitchers being pulled and they have the lead and the bullpen gives it up? Right. And the team may win, but somebody else gets the W because the bullpen allowed the other team to come back and tie. How many times have we seen it? Everybody in this tournament, Brian, has a good number one and yeah. has a decent number two. What has separated your Alabama states from some of the other teams is the bullpen. When, when the starter comes out, they have guy two a guy three who can hold on to the lead. Are you talking about saves? You, you want to know who leads the conference in saves? But saves is not – saves is, is a misleading stat also. Because in order to get a – but I, I'm going to let you throw it out. But in order to get a save, Brian – the game must be when – when that person enters the game, it must be with a three-run or less lead after the fifth inning unless they enter the game with the tying run either at the plate or on deck. Woo. See? See, I'm, I'm, you, you know, I'm an official stat uh, statistician. Yeah, That's I why I know that. I know that rule. So it's tough to get a save. And it could become a save situation. It could become on paper what looks like a save situation, but it's not. Your starter leaves the game after after the sixth inning with a five-run lead, but your bullpen bucks it up, and and that person who comes in and pitches the last three innings only wins the game by two. That does not qualify as a save situation because when they came in the game, they had a five-run lead. But they give it up, they give up those three runs, and now that third pitcher comes in and closes it down and you win it by two. That third pitcher winds up getting the save. So these stats, you have to understand these stats. And unfortunately, Brian, I understand these stats at a level that (laughs) – People on this, people who are watching us do not probably understand and be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Yeah, that, that's why I asked. That's why I asked it. You know what? What stat matters for the pitcher of the year is always interesting to to hear people debate about because when the SWAC awards come out, I think they'll they'll the awards will be coming out probably Tuesday. Yes. 
that's what we're going. That's what they're going to go to. You're you're going to see somebody's. I really think you could have a co-pitcher of the year kind of scenario, but it'll be, again, it'll be interesting to see what everybody goes to and says, you know, what, it, because, because Drew, here's the thing. There's no, now I'm going to get real nerdy here. Um, war, you're familiar with the war statistic, right? Now in major league baseball, that's what the nerds, who, you know, I pay attention to, that's what they really geek out over is, you know, the war stat and the war number, right? Even goes so far as the analytics people in basketball start talking about war, right? There's no... Wins against replacement. Wins against replacements, right. Now, if somebody really wanted to go deep diving here and do the calculations here in the SWAC, then maybe, just maybe, I don't have that kind of time. Uh, I'm still in school. I got one last week. Uh, so if anybody out there is watching or listening still, that's a nerd, a stat nerd, and you know, especially with baseball, and you want to put together some war numbers with the SWAT baseball pitchers, I would love to hear it. And then we could really kind of evaluate the uh, the SWAT pitcher of the year award when it's announced. But uh, Brian, you know there's a song out about this. About what? War. Uh, what, what is, is it good, good for? for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> All right. Let me go to this hitter statistic now. I'm going to give you the numbers. You tell me whether this man sounds like he should be the hitter of the year in the SWAC. Led the league in batting average, 489. Was fourth in slugging percentage, 0. .761. Led the lead in on, led the league in on base percentage at 580. Led the league in OPS, which is on base plus slugging percentage, 1.341. Second in runs scored, 39, and fifth in hits, 45. That's all conference statistics. Is that young man? Should that young man be the SWAC hitter of the year? If he's not one, he's two. Mm. What would you what would you value one? What would you give one? No, I would say I, I would have to see other people's numbers. That's why I said if he's not one, he's two. If there's anybody else out there who can compare to that, that, that that's why I'm leaving that caveat out there. Well, um, it'll be interesting because you know I I see uh, that that young man by the way is um, uh, Ty Jackson, Florida A and M uh, junior. Um, now, you know, he's statistically leading all those categories. The, now, what's interesting. The only thing I didn't hear, I hear you call were RBIs, home runs, and possibly stolen bases. Those were the, those were the three stats that I did not hear you call for that young man. Uh, no, uh, you did not. Um yeah, let me see if he. So, the, so the, that's why I would say if there is a if there is a player who, yeah, maybe but a, maybe the, the home run at the top of the lineup though. I right, mean, right. That's why I say if there's a three or four hole hitter who may have a breakout RBI slash home run with a decent slugging percentage, that would be something that would be comparable, in in my opinion. Well. You know, he does have a teammate who lead who led the led the conference in 
uh, uh, was second in the conference in home runs and first in terms of, I think, RBIs. No, fourth in RBIs. Fourth in RBIs. What, what, what was the batting average? Uh, for who? The person that you talk about, the home, the home run RBI person. Was it above uh, three? I, I don't. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go deep diving to figure that out. But Reese, I say that you give me a person with a three, three twenty-five average or so who's a top rbi at top home run man you know that that quote unquote shows clutch hitting especially if you get deep into the analytics and see two out uh two out hits two out rbis because coaches do have access to those numbers uh via the statistical programs that they use so that would be something that just started out there there's someone who could possibly challenge the first Yeah, goal. yeah, that, that's interesting. Now, again, I, I I said that gave you those numbers based on within <laughs> within the conference. You know, when you start going and looking at overall statistics, you know, it gets a little bit different in the SWAC. Um, you know, and and overall, uh, Dalen Adderley of Texas Southern led the league in hitting here's what's interesting like overall now this is these non-conference games factored in right Adderley of Texas Southern led the league 429 when you look at all the statistics in hitting right Mm -hmm. that young man Ty Jackson was third 394 but okay Texas Southern's February schedule and early March schedule Mm -hmm. go ahead say it it. It, it was against weaker opponents. Yeah. It was against a lot of NAIAs and NCC. That's the ecstasy, y'all. AA <laughs> program. Versus, <laughs> a Florida a, versus Florida A&M, who I don't play some uh, ACC, SEC-type teams in their non-conference. Yeah. So opponents matter to me. Well, it'll it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's reset one last time what the schedule is for uh, Wednesday, and then we can pick up and get out of here. If you oh, got, we, we still haven't done the uh, top five for baseball. Uh, we did softball. That? Yes. It wasn't on the same spreadsheet. Yeah, it was on the same uh, on the same set of slides. It was the last slide. Ah, uh, I didn't get to that. Okay, well, yeah. okay, so. Here, okay, we'll do, uh, okay, real quick. Here's again the schedule Wednesday. First game is Texas Southern versus Florida AM. Game two is Bethune versus Southern. Uh, all these games will appear on the SWAT digital network. Our good friend Charles Edmond will be calling, if not all of the games, majority of them, uh, along with Roger Cater, head coach. Uh, now, I know for my FAMU people, they have complained about Coach Cater. I will just say this if you are let me see, a Bethune-Cookman fan. I'm telling you now, expect uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Homer talk from Coach Cater because he's a Southern uh, legend, okay? So you, I know a lot of people from FAM complained about that last year when FAM played Southern, and I just had to explain to him. I said, he's a legend, 
But outside of the calling the Southern games, Coach Kadar was great. No, was nowhere great. you're going to gain more knowledge about what's going on on the diamond than from Coach Kadar. Exactly. So true. Uh, so true. Um, okay. So, sorry. Here we go. Let me try to find that last slide then because I didn't think it was there. Oh, but it is there. All right. Here we go. No, next one. Next one. There we go. Okay. There we go. All right. So, this is uh, Division One, our top five. Okay. This is the End top of the five. Season. End of the regular season. Top five, Division One standings. You see in the hunt, you've got Southern, who's still playing. North Carolina A&T, season done. Jackson State, still playing. Prairie View, still playing. Maryland Eastern Shore, still playing. Number five is Texas Southern, staying put right where they were a week ago. Number four is Florida A&M, also right where they were a week ago. Number three is Grambling State, the uh, SWAC West Division champs. Number two is Bethune Cookman, the uh, second best in the SWAC East Division. And then number one for the umpteenth consecutive week is the Alabama State Hornets, 39 to 16. Number one seed winners of the SWAC East. Anything you want to add or comment on, Drew? Brian, I'm going to have to go back and look. I think. Both ASU, that's Albany State, and Alabama State may be wire-to-wire champions for us. Yeah, in terms of, um, yeah, un, un, unfettered. I, th- I thought maybe Bethune might have been number one for a week. I say, I'm going to have to go back and look and see. I, I think it would have been between either them and Grambling. Might have been number one for a, for a, for a, a, week. For a blip for a week. Yeah. I know Fam got close. No, fam, you know what? Fam, you was number one for a week. I remember that. Yeah, go back and look at that. It'll be interesting. But I feel like Alabama State has been there, especially over the last month. Yes. I think they've been there. All right. All right, Drew, final thoughts as we uh, put a put a pin in this episode and, uh, you know, center our thoughts as we get ready for the SWAT baseball tournament in Atlanta, Georgia. Please go attend again. Can't stress how big this is. Go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry. No, uh, definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to making the road trip back to Atlanta for the second weekend in a row. Uh, check out some HBCU baseball, swag style. That I've never been to that particular stadium. Don't even know where it's even located at on the <laughs> campus of Georgia Tech. Uh, yeah, I, I've I think the baseball facility is the only facility I've never been to. I've been to the softball facility. I've been to the basketball arena. I've been to the football stadium. I've never been to the baseball stadium. I have great. They have great signage at Georgia Tech. I will tell you that because one day I got yes. lost in there, and I was easy. It was easy to find my way out. You just got to make sure you stop at stop signs and don't run over any uh, college students. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Brian, we're gonna have to figure out if we're gonna both be in Atlanta for the championship game. What are we going to do our show from on Sunday next week? I think we ought to do it before the championship game on Sunday. Literally. A matinee. A matinee show, and then maybe just re-air it later that night for anybody who missed it. Yeah. Or maybe we come back with a 15-minute wrap-up and then air the rest of the show. (laughs) 
something. But something. yeah, I, yeah, something. Right. But again, I won't be up there until Saturday, though. Unfortunately, don't, don't argue this with me. But uh, so we may have something special for you guys. And we have, matter of fact, Brian, we we'll, we have Doctor Cavill up there with us. I know he's going to be at the uh, SWAC tournament. Maybe Charles Bishop uh, is talking about being there. So we just may bring you just. We don't know who show Monica we're going to uh, title it under, but it'll be a BC, BCSN production. There you go. That's the best way to go. Yeah. All right. Um, again, got to thank uh, Coach Kenneth Blakeney for joining us earlier. Uh, if you missed the first hour, a great conversation with uh, Howard Men's basketball coach. Uh, awesome stuff. And you then can that and put that out as a, as yeah, a separate. I, I'll make sure to work on that. Um, and then, of course, in the second hour, uh, we had Coach Johnny Hernandez of Bethune-Cookman Baseball joining us as his team gets ready to take on Southern University in the SWAC tournament. That's this weekend, Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, Wednesday through Sunday, excuse okay. me. Um, Sunday's my sister's birthday, so that's another challenge for me on Sunday, Drew. Yeah, that's uh, why you want to get that out the way early. Oh, well, yeah, and I'm hoping the game is early, too, so – it's usually you know, like two o'clock. That's that, that's great. Sooner yeah. the better. Sooner the better. Just in case there's like dinner. And there's no if game, Brian. It's winner take all. Amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. The games will be on the SWAC Digital Network up until the last game, which I think is on the uh, SWAC uh, or on ESPN, probably. Yes. So the last that, year they cut. They wound up cutting it off because it was, it was all, all fourteen innings. Yeah, well, the challenges of live television on a network that is not your own. Hmm. Control your content. Anyway, uh, we look forward to seeing the post. Yeah, the postseason awards will be on Tuesday, so we'll we'll see all that stuff come out. But most importantly, uh, SWAC Nation, show up. Uh, this is a big opportunity. The city of Atlanta wanted this tournament. So let them let them let them see the best of SWAC baseball and SWAC baseball fans uh, this upcoming week. Uh, as you heard from Coach Hernandez, should be a good field, uh, very competitive. Don't don't let don't be fooled. Yes, we have one really good dominant team, but uh, they're gonna have we've to they're gonna this, have to earn it. We've seen this story before, Brian. We have we have. They're, Alabama State is going to have to earn it. So that's gonna do it. Thank everybody. In the uh, chat rooms on YouTube, Facebook, uh, appreciate you guys for being a part of the show. You can always leave a tip in the uh, YouTube chat, or you can make a donation via Cash App if you like. Go make sure you download the BCSN Pod Zone. That's what I'd like for you to do even more than anything in the world is go download the BCSN Pod Zone. Download the shows. You don't have to listen to the podcast. Just download, rate, review. Give us the thumbs up, share it, whatever. That all helps the algorithms. You'd be doing us a solid BCSN pod zone. Let it play in the car on the way to work. I there you go. That's what I do sometimes. Uh, it all it's all helpful, and of course you can download the Jericho broadcast. <laughs> you can download the Jericho broadcast app available to be on the Google Play and the Apple. Absolutely. Like I'll cover for you there, Brian. Uh, great job. Great job. Make sure you follow us. You can find Drew on Twitter at BCSN Drew. You can find me on, on uh, Twitter at DRB365. Thank you again, everybody. 
Drew, let's uh, let's bag it up and let's get ready to shut it down and go home. Good night, everybody. Be safe, be smart, and uh, God bless you all, one and all. Travel light, we'll holler. But you stay on hard.